Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And we got uh, the Reverend here with a special guest. How are you doing, sir? Your name is Brian Pascal. Did I say your last name right? Pichel. Pichel. Oh, is that French? German. German. That's not the, maybe the even, true pronunciation. Is maybe even cooler. Maybe yeah, even cooler. Let me... I can always be louder. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. I think that, oh, yeah, that's, that's better. Smooth. Yeah, smooth. I got it a little bit better there. So you are with Dogs for Our Brave. Is that correct? I am. I'm the director of veteran services. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that organization? Well, um, we are an organization that was started in 2014 um, in California, of all places, even though we're now based in St. Louis. Um, and the story kind of comes first full circle as I go through it, but, uh, a couple by the name of, uh, Andy and Marilyn, uh, Gladstein, um, started the organization, um, and I can get into their story, but to quickly tell everyone what we do, we provide fully trained service dogs for disabled veterans, um, at absolutely no cost to the veteran for the entire life of the dog. And when you say fully trained, you're talking, and what type of service dog are you dealing with? These are service dogs that meet the standards of um, ADI um, and a couple other certifications. So these dogs are fully trained, fully capable. Um, they're vested dogs. Um, they, they're a, they're a full-blown service dog. Um, the amount of tasks that they can complete are, I mean, I actually brought... I brought the commands with me, the whole phase piece of it, but I mean. Okay, well, that's, yeah, that's interesting because I actually don't know that much about service animals. So what type of individual qualifies for a service animal? So the application process is actually a big part of my job. Um, so veterans apply um, initially through our introductory form. Um, the goal is, number one, proof of service. So a DD-214 is required. Um, and then, you know, again, and in that, in, in that in introductory form, it's about give us as much general information. And most importantly, though, I have to have the DD 214. So from there, it's going through what type of injuries or medical conditions they're dealing with. This, this program is open. Our, you know, our organization is open to all era veterans of all services. Um, so there's no parameters, um, based on when you served or where you served or who, you know, what, what department you served with. So, so this could be any veteran at any period of time, no matter how Correct. long ago they served or Correct. how recent. So it doesn't just have to be like Afghanistan or Iraq. Correct. Okay. And so do they have to be diagnosed with some type of like disability or be a certain level of disabled to be able to qualify for the animal? Yes. So we are limited in the amount of dogs that we can provide right now. Um, we have the ability to train 10 dogs in our facility um, at one time. Usually takes, it, it's a bare minimum of 18 months to train a dog. Um, and our director of training, uh, Bridget, she's incredible. Um, she made sure that I point out that, uh, you know, she trains to standards, not time. So 18 months is the bare minimum. 
but she won't ever give a definitive time frame because the dog's ready when the dog's ready. Um, but the veterans typically, so we have several um, veterans that already have dogs um, that are physically disabled, um, whether wheelchair bound or amputees, um, suffered in combat, in service time. Um, we also have uh, veterans that have significant PTSD and trauma issues um, that qualified them. But because we are so limited right now with our resources and our the number of dogs we can put out, unfortunately, that I, I have to be very, very aware of who we're going to approve for this for, for a dog right now because we want to make sure all of the time and effort and training that goes in and the money and the resources that are put into these dogs because what these what our dogs are capable of doing is absolutely phenomenal i mean you're talking about little things like they literally they can go into the dryer and pull specific articles of clothing out they can go into the refrigerator and identify specific things that need to be picked out you know so just those little things from can i get one can we train one for beer (laughs) i'm just asking i'm just saying i just needed to be able to pour a good shot of whiskey that's it like you know at that point i'm sold we can probably make that happen um (laughs) bridget's pretty our training staff is is unbelievable but uh yeah what our dogs are capable of doing is nothing short of incredible um stabilizing again i have a whole list of you know everything they're capable of doing again so i've only been in the position for a month um, yeah, you, it's one month, and then I drag your ass out here, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> it's Well, you know, we just love the fact that I get to come on here well, and talk about the organization. We met the other day at the Grunstyle event, and uh, I thought that was really cool. Was that one of your dogs that was there? What was that? Yeah. That was like a – that was a big-ass shepherd, wasn't so it? So all of our – here's the key – here's another key piece. All of our dogs are rescued. Um, really? The majority of our dogs See, are rescued. See, I was just getting ready to ask you. Yeah. I wonder what uh, what breeds you use specifically, or if you have a breed or you don't. You just get a rescue animal and just retrain that animal? Does it have to be a certain age? So the training piece, Bridget's usually, I, I, I believe they don't want to take, we don't take puppies, right? Um, it's just a whole different level of care and training that has to go on from that point of view. But um Bridget will go out to the shelters. Shannon will go out to the shelters, our trainers. Um, you know, Bridget's out because we're in the process of, well, I'll get there. I don't want to get too far ahead. That way everybody kind of understands what we're doing. But um, they're capable of so much that it's really hard to – there's so many veterans out there that need help, right? And these service dogs are incredible, incredible resources, tools, but more importantly, the relationship aspect that they build with our veterans and that that bond is so meaningful. And well, you had mentioned a second ago, you said that there was so much that went into the training. About how much does it cost to get a dog, get it fully trained by the time you donate this to a veteran? What type of investment do you have in this? Just through the training piece, it's upwards of $25,000 and more just to train the dog oh my goodness and so i imagine you rely quite heavily on like a donation network heavy donations heavy donations heavy donations private corporate um every dollar helps um it's yeah it's a it's a huge commitment um it's a huge commitment because we want to make sure these dogs like we take care of them again for the life of the dog um if a dog gets to a point where um they need to be retired because they just can't meet the needs that the veteran, you know, requires. Um, we'll have another dog fully trained 
to replace that dog for that veteran, which... Now, is there a holding period once the dog is done being trained before it goes to the veteran? Or do you have homes for all of these dogs right away? Or do these dogs need to go to like foster families or no? They, they pretty much go straight from training straight to the veteran. We have a waiting list. Um, wow. So there's phases that they go through as, through their training. Um, and then they, you know, it, I, it's phase three, I believe. Bridget will correct me either way. But I believe it's phase three is when the pairing process takes place. And that's when the approved veteran, right? So we have veterans waiting for dogs right now um, that have not been paired with dogs yet because we, the, we don't have dogs that are in that phase yet that are ready to be paired. Um, so once we're prepared for the pairing process, um, the veteran comes into town. Normally they're, because our veterans are all over the country. We have multiple veterans in Ohio. We have veterans in with our dogs right now. We have veterans in California. We have veterans in um, in Florida. Obviously, we have them. We have them in Missouri. We have them in Illinois. So, we're supplying dogs for veterans all around the country. Um, so, in the case of the dog of, of the veteran that lives out of town, we'll fly the veteran in. We take care of all of that. There's we we take care of putting the veteran up um, for the. However, we have several different options as far as how long they come in to train. Um, some of our vets have jobs, right? And they have to try to work with their job, whatnot. But um, let's just say they come in for the full two-week period, right? Uh, we fly them in. We put them up. The veteran comes in, and we start the pairing process. What that looks like is there's a whole curriculum, and we're actually revamping that right now. Bridget and Shannon and then myself is I'm the first veteran on staff, so they're relying heavily on me to help help them understand how we tick, how we operate. Um even though they already have a incredible feeling for it. Um, but I just kind of solidify some things for them because I get it. I know. Um, I've been there. <laughs> so now, what were you, uh, and this is the bombshell I'm going to drop on you real quick. We're going to sidebar for a second. Oh boy. I know you were waiting on this, right? So I, I researched you a little bit on uh, social media because that's what I do. And uh, I noticed that we had something in common, and it doesn't look like you do it anymore, but you were a uh, volleyball coach for Missouri Baptist University. Is that true? That is true. Are you still currently with Missouri Baptist University? No. No, neither am I. I was a professor for Missouri Baptist University for a minute. And so that was actually quite interesting when I found out that we had that connection in line. And I thought, oh, I must have seen you on campus because I worked there from 2016 till 2020 and uh, never got to see you around. I wasn't there then. You weren't there no, then? No, okay. but my wife's an alumni of the, and she's actually on the alumni board. Oh, most interesting. Yeah, yeah I she was a volleyball that, player. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, MoBap doesn't like me anymore. They, uh, That's they, right. I got divorced and they decided to kick me out. That's I okay. violated their code of conduct. Well, everyone has their codes. Yeah. Right? And some don't okay. jive with we, others, we, and that's fine. We can talk shit on them. It's, it's fine. Okay. I, I'm good with that. It's my podcast. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> so Fair enough. I really don't care what they think. But, uh, yeah, no, they they kicked me out. They, they had that uh, whole Southern Baptist Convention thing going on, and they were very doctrinal. And, uh, you know, when I, I first started there, I had to sign a statement of faith. And uh, I was always kind of in violation with that anyway because I went through seminary uh, from 2014 and I ended right around 2016 and I ended up losing my faith 
somewhere in that 2016 2017 breach and so yeah i worked there for the next few years completely not in line with what they were doing and uh yeah that was always a kind of a conflict of interest especially when i was on campus but uh yeah they they uh they meet that pretty heavily don't they they meet it very heavily very um, very very heavily and that's you know that's their institution that's their belief um i respect that um but uh you and I have similar stories when it comes to that as well, because, uh, and I'm sure we will probably get into that at some point, but uh, a lot of what I experienced in combat um, had me question about where my faith is, um, and 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 what my what my what my beliefs are within my own faith. Um, I had a lot of questioning, and I'm still working on that. So. Um, oh, that's an interesting subject. It's a very, you, you want to share some of that? You want to get into that a little bit? I, I yeah, I'd love to because I, I've listened to you guys enough, and I love the, I love all the different aspects that you guys. I mean, you guys dig into some hard hitting uh, topics that I think are really really important. Um, we, we try it's to not do superficial. the best. We try to do the best that we can while high. Yeah, that's well, that's important. Happens. Speaking yeah, you, speaking of getting high, I'm going to go ahead and get high. Perfect. That's <clears throat> make it happen. That's where it's at. Going to go ahead and light this bitch up. So, uh, you know, so you went over there, you experienced combat. There was something that occurred during combat that made you kind of lose your faith. Were you a doctrinal Christian before this time frame? So, I'm a South St. Louis guy. <laughs> Catholic. <laughs> Raised Catholic. Um, grew up in the Catholic grade school system. Shout out to Father Mark out there. Yeah, Father Mark. God bless you. I listened to the last, his last episode. You guys were incredible. That was amazing. I highly suggest that people get out there and listen to that because, man, they're just in a lot of different aspects. You guys went in a lot of different directions with that, and it was really cool to hear everybody's different variations of how they take their own faith and their own journey and where they're going with it. It's just, I, I and, and yet, it's a great conversation, and everybody respects each other, and you're pulling information from each other. And there was times where you didn't, you clearly, you openly said you didn't agree with what they were preaching here but you totally understood where it was coming from you challenged them and it was just all respect it was awesome i, I well, loved it because it's th- so important i think that's one of the beautiful things and one of the things that we're trying to do on this podcast especially you know boone was on the show the other day and one of the things that he talked about is you know if you've ever been ostracized by family or whatever the case may be then you end up in these camps and we have so much polarization in our society today and everybody wants to be in this camp they want to be completely against something or completely for something and what it's done is it's eliminated the ability for us to be able to have intelligent conversations or find common ground on anything you know at the end of the day i don't have to agree with you you don't have to agree with me we can agree to disagree but that doesn't mean that we can't be friends that doesn't mean that we don't still have something to learn from each other. You know, I, uh, I fundamentally, religiously, don't share any doctrinal truth at all with what Father Mark believes. Now, we have some similarities, obviously, but I have learned from him a great deal. And I will say the one thing, in, in, to his credit, I don't think I've ever met anyone in my life that embodies the teachings of Jesus Christ more than that man. Because here he is complete 40-year priest, doctrinally sound, and he will sit at this table and watch me smoke a joint with zero judgment. And he will come and he will share share drinks and meals with me and you know and we will conversate and we get to spend a lot of time together. And that allows for that learning to occur. 
right? That allows where he impacts me, I impact him. We don't have to change each other's belief systems, but we can still expand each other's consciousness. We can still expand each other's point of view. And, you know, and I think it's about finding common ground with people. And if this podcast achieves anything, hopefully what it does is it shows people that you can, there's a way outside of that polarization. You don't have to ostracize people that don't believe what you believe, that you can still have those people in your life and you can still grow as a result of that relationship. I love everything you just said. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so intrigued, but again, by everything you guys are talking about, um, so much to the point that I, 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 yeah, I'm openly willing to share about this because I think it's, it is hugely important that we can be comfortable having these conversations with each other on a lot of different topics because the polarization, you know, being at that event the other night at Grunt Style and and hearing Boone speak and hearing Tim speak, hearing everybody speak, it was one of the most engaging events I've ever been involved in. Um, just, Agreed. Just seeing the look, uh, the veterans, all of us talking afterwards and all of us being like, that is not the direction we saw that event going um, no I, I was we, completely our, blindsided yeah our minds were blown um and even our our director of training bridget she was like i was not prepared for that and i'm like join the club well it's a little bit of like what i shared when i was in the focus group you know i was aware of a lot of those concepts whether they be social or whatever right you know everybody watched the netflix documentary social dilemma yep. like we yep. understood that yep. ai was confirmation bias and drilling people into things and and it helped me understand polarization and tribalism and encampment a lot more right it was detail when it was the details when boone presented the psych ops part of it in how deliberate that is, in how deep that goes, then it all of a sudden, you know, it made sense. So when I went out to New Mexico, and I'll just share that story again for the audience, but when I went out to New Mexico, we were in the forest for seven days, and that's one of the few times where I've been in a place that's so isolated that we had no cell phone service. So I go for seven pure days with no text messages, no internet, no phone ringing, you know. At one point, I forget I have a phone. I just put it away, you know, around like day three. And then I pull it back out. And as we're leaving, because we need maps to get home, right? And we drove for two and a half hours before we ended up getting back to cell phone service. And what really caught me off guard is when that phone started to go off, when those text messages started to hit, I had an actual panic attack. Like, I attributed it at that point to, well, I must be too connected to my phone, or it's the business that I'm doing, or it's all these other things. And what I realized from that conversation that they had at that Grunt Style event was, no, I was assaulted. And I should have felt that way. Because that's a direct assault on like who we are. And that impacts how we think, it impacts our actions and our beliefs. And, you know, we are the mirror copy of the people that we keep in our lives, right? And that's why I always say that thing, there's no such thing as individual thought. And now you have this device that's connected to you, and you have the internet and your PCs and your TVs and everything that is driving that influence exponentially. This is an unprecedented moment in history where we're being exposed to these things that I don't think any other generation of human has ever had to deal with. And we don't have the tools to combat this, and we don't have the tools, and I think that's a, and, and kind of circling back to like what you guys do, we don't have the mental health requirements 
to be able to help people who are dealing with these multifaceted issues where it's more than just what they've experienced. Now it's this culmination of all too much everything, right? And in overindulgence. Overindulgence. It's, our, it's one of our massive, massive problems in this country because we are overindulgent in so many different areas in our life. And a lot of it revolves around technology. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that. So what struck me was how precise he spoke about it. And he laid it all out for us military. By the way, my copy showed up last night. I ordered it immediately when we got home from that event. I, I actually may have started ordering it on my way home on Amazon because um, I was so intrigued to dive into that book. We actually leave for vacation tomorrow, um, and I, it, it'll be finished by the time I get home, guaranteed. I got to Cliff Note read it because uh, Boone gave me his copy to take home to prepare for the podcast, and he goes, uh, now this is my copy. You have to pick me up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there were probably some nice notes and highlights in there would be our, our no, no. But, but it was a well-worn book i yeah, mean I'm, he had went through that forward and backward and you can tell that he was constantly redigesting that information and, and so that he could replicate it and present it um you know from i i I only had it for an evening, so I did my best. You know, I kind of cliff noted it, and you know, I, I went all PhD on it, right, and just read the end and the 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 beginning and the end, and then I went back and kind of prefaced the spots that I thought would be applicable to the podcast. But yeah, I did the same thing. I ordered the book and and, and kind of went out. But yeah, so let's circle back again because we're gonna do this a lot. It's gonna oh, yeah. be all circling. All good. It's all circling. I like it. So what happened when you were overseas? You were involved in conflict. And now your uh, religious beliefs started to sway. What what's going on with that? So, just to kind of give a little bit of backstory, um, I served. Um, I was a medic um, in the U.S. Army from 2004 to 2009. Um, <laughs> of all places, when I got my orders, um, I was uh, stationed down to Fort Leonard Wood. So I'm going less than two hours from home, which. Uh, you know, in my volleyball uh, life, I've traveled so much, and we can get into that at some point too, because that's still a has been a heavy point in my in my life ever since I got out in '09. But um, yeah, so I ended up down at Fort Leonard Wood, um, and I am so blessed to I was um, assigned to Fifth Engineer Battalion, and we were spinning up to get ready to go to Baghdad, go to Iraq. Um, I reported in May of uh, 2005. Um, I was an NTC, um, like. A month and a half later, and that was a wake up. Wow, um, NTC was that was intense. Good old Fort Irwin. Yeah, that was intense. Uh, See, out I, there. I love them hobby now because of that place. Yeah, no, yeah. it was. Uh, I mean, it was an experience being out there. That's for sure. And I, I learned a ton. That was. Um, I actually had my EMT basic before I came in, so I, I kind of expedited the process. You know, things just happen for a reason. You don't know why. You don't. You obviously can't identify why it's happening, but upon reflection, which I love, I think reflection is one of the most important skills that people need to learn. Um, and it can go back to a lot of what you were just talking about with the technology piece and mind control and whatnot. Um, but uh, upon reflection, just, you know, the facts that I, the fact that I was expedited um, in my training, in my AIT training by like four or six weeks, something like that. Um, if, if, if I'm not, I probably don't end up at Fort Leonard Wood. I probably don't end up with Fifth Engineers. Um, and, I wouldn't want to go to back to combat with anybody else. Um, 
those guys were um we had a we had a rough go um so we we deployed direct um late october 2005 um ironically i ended up being sent on the advound team um even though i was the newest medic in the battalion and our 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 medical staff um we had one ncoic and nine medics and then the nine medics were assigned to each company three per company um our medics were outstanding. Shout out to uh, Fifth Engineer, medical crew, medics first, boys. Uh, we just, they were incredible. Um, so our mission when we got over there, um, we were Task Force Iron Claw. Um, we ran the route clearance missions throughout all of uh, Baghdad and Iraq. Anybody that came into country to run route clearance, they came through us. Um, we trained them up, um, which was intense. But uh, 05 to 06 was a tough time over there. Um, IED action was super heavy. Um, EFPs were introduced, and those are just nasty, nasty killers. Um, and we uh, now, what is an EFP? So an EFP is an ex- ex- explosively formed projectile. Those are the ones that were traced back to Iran. Um, so, you know, you have your regular IEDs with you know five 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 rounds whatever you know the one five five rounds you name it right they right. they imp- you know they imp- that's why they're called ieds um and man they were pretty good at creating those the efps were even scarier um because what they had were um copper cones on the inside and whether it was three of them six of them they'd have them set up right so so they, they were, were like explosives. shape charges they were explosives behind them that's exactly what they were so as the as it detonated that copper cone would then just turn into a ball of hot copper and it you know it just didn't it didn't matter it didn't matter how much armor you had on the vehicles i mean we were rolling around in the buffalo oh, so whatnot. that's almost more like a sable round isn't yeah, it? it's, it, yeah. It, it, it's a killer um so um i shouldn't I, i'm i'm very lucky to be here because i was hit by an efp our vehicle was hit by an efp um i was I was in the Buffalo that night, which, um, for those of you who don't know, the Buffalo is just this massive vehicle with an electronic arm that we use to dig up IEDs. And, um, but luckily, because the vehicle was so big, um, I saw the I saw the EFP. Um, we were uh, just north of uh, Sauter City. Um, it was about midnight, so it was pitch black out. Um, and our lead vehicle had already been hit by um, an IED. And there were injuries. So we were responding with Doc. You know, I was in that vehicle. So, um, you know, we responded. And uh, on the on the response up, we still have to do our fives and 25s looking for secondary devices. And on the way up, I, I look at, you know, I'm, I'm heavy eyes on the right. And I saw a wire and it was damn near glowing. It was gnarly. And I screamed Iron Claw stop. And I, I can still, I can look to my right and I still see that fireball coming at my face. Um, our vehicle was disabled. Um, we had a couple of rays that went through the engine, blew the engine block out. Um, the window bowed where I was sitting, punched me in the head. I did a backflip into the vehicle. I was knocked out. Um, but come to late, you know, later find out there was copper residue that went right through the RPG cage and was literally skimmed right over my head where I was sitting. Um, so, uh, you know, six inches to a foot below, and it's there's no there's zero chance so um i am exceptionally fortunate to still be as we all were in that vehicle um because efps if you got hit by one we we just knew like it, it's just bad because the high the amount of heat that it produces the vehicle was almost 
it was guaranteed to catch on fire. Um, and with the ammunitions and everything we have in there, it's just a yeah, it's, it's a pillbox at that yeah. point. So right. um, we were very, very fortunate that night, um, and that's a big reason why it goes into this job. But um, I was able to go up to <laughs> after I after I was uh, brought back to consciousness by my guys, which you know I can still see Sergeant Evans, Staff Sergeant Evans, shaking me, picking me up by the by the vest, and just like Doc, you good? And I was all. I was all over the place. I was I was pretty concussed, but uh, luckily um, the injury in the lead vehicle wasn't bad. It was a hand injury to our gunner. He had gotten hit by shrapnel trying to drop down um, as the initial IED went off. So, um, but yeah, I was pretty messed up. I still went up there. I took care of him. I actually climbed. I started climbing out of the buffalo. I got halfway down the steps and I started. I looked around. And I was like, I feel really light. Something's wrong. <laughs> I had forgot my aid bag, so I didn't have my Black Hawk bag on. I had to climb back up there, open the door. Swing the door open and they're like, Doc, you good? What's wrong? And I'm like, forgot my aid bag. I was, I was out of it. Um, but enough that I knew I could go do the job and do what had to be done. Got up to the lead vehicle, hand injury, I unwrapped it, took care. I actually, his finger was severed, but still connected by some tendons. So I actually reset it and buddy taped it. Old volleyball trick. You know, buddy taped the fingers together when you got a jam. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty gnarly. Um, but, uh, yeah, Sergeant Cross doing great. Uh, his finger was uh, his finger was saved, but uh, God love him. Of course, he did yell at me at that point because after I was done wrapping him up, being the gunner, he's like, Doc, what am I supposed to do? No, I can't shoot, man. Look at my trigger finger. I was like, shoot with your left hand, brother. Like, come on, give me a break. <laughs> but I got finished, and I was like, you guys, everybody else good? And they're like, yeah, we're good, Doc. You good? I'm like, no, I'm not. I climbed out of the vehicle and I proceeded to throw up for a few hours. Just the concussion had kicked in at that point. We were still waiting for a response team. We were out there for a couple hours, pitch black, just which, you know, anybody that's been there, it's it's not the most comfortable feeling, especially being a just a block out of Sutter City, uh, which is just a, a nasty part of Baghdad to be in. So um but yeah, we had a we had a, we, we, we had a rough deployment. Um we uh we lost four. Um, great men, um, heroes, um, a lot more injured, um, with significant injuries, um, life altering injuries. Um, and, uh, those are the guys, right? Those that, that's why we know like the fact that I know there was a lot of survivor's guilt. I dealt with a lot of that for, you know, I ended up being medically retired PTSD, which I, Fought for a while to understand how sick I was um, and how much it impacted me, um, just like it impacts all of us that see it. Um, but uh, that's my why, why I have purpose in life, why I know I have to keep going um, and make a positive impact because I was fortunate fortunate enough to walk away um, where our other, bro- other brothers were not. Um, we can't We can't ignore that. Um, we have to use those experiences, veterans. It's so powerful. We have such a powerful tool inside of us that we have to unlock once we can come to peace with the fact that we're still here and we have purpose and we need to use it to make this world better um, in honor of our brothers that didn't come back. Um, well. So, the faith piece that's a that's a story brother i mean first off respect that that was an incredible experience that you had to endure and uh and and i want to 
shelf this topic for a little bit later in our conversation, but I'm definitely going to come back to it. Respect for how you were able to cross that river and get to the other side, right? That you're still finding your way to personal improvement. You didn't just settle with the fact. And I, and I want to talk about that a little bit later, but respect to you for that, sir. So let's get, let's get on to your faith. What, what happened with your faith after this tragic event? So, and let's just be clear, there were so many events that occurred during that deployment. Um, that was just one. Um, we witnessed a lot while we were there, right? Um, we see the worst humanity has to offer in combat. Um, so... When you see that over and over and over again, especially when it starts to include children, um, you got to question a lot of things. Um, growing up Catholic, um, it's a very, well, the, every faith has their traditions, right? Um, every belief system. Um, for me, I, I, I'm, I'm a thinker, I'm a processor, um, I'm a reflector. Um, I, I need to understand the purpose, um, the true purpose. I want to see how that unfolds. Um, so I guess I, I struggle with organized religion from that point of view. Um, because I think it's, it's, it's all about your own personal relationship with whatever deity or form of faith, God, whatever you, whatever you believe in, right. Ultimately it's all about your personal relationship and how it impacts you to be a better human being. Um, I think that's the most important thing. Um, Agreed. So I struggled with that, not being able to grasp from an organized religion point of view, how do I rationalize what I'm witnessing? Right. How do I, how do I believe that there's a higher power that believes in, the, in, in good and supposed to stand for good and peace? And yet we're witnessing just horrific acts of violence against our own mankind. That puts a lot of things into question. Um, how does it exist, period? So you like I go through the process of having to understand what is that higher being? Um, does it exist or is it just nonsense? You know, I, it's just an honest question that I had to go through. Um, and where did you land on that? Where you where did you go from believing in a uh, a a biblical god deity to questioning a deity at all? Where, where do you land after the fact? Through experiences over the last, especially over the last you know four, fourteen fifteen years. Um, Slowly but surely, you know, things happen in my life that you, it's really hard not to take the time to recognize how profound they are. Relationships that I build, I meet my wife, right? I have children. Um, I, 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 I find great opportunities to, to, in people that believe in me, that put me in positions of leadership. Um, all of these positive things are happening, right? And I'm trying my best to make sure I'm taking full advantage of those incredible opportunities that somehow I've been granted in my life. Um, 
when that happens consistently, it helped me start to process. There's something else here. There, there's a, there is a higher power here. Um, but it, it, and cause it's speaking to my soul. Um, it's telling me that there's, 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 there's a, there's a presence, um, that is trying to create positivity for the individual, but you have to be willing to embrace it. You have to be able to, you have to be able to identify it and you have to be willing to embrace it and take whatever it's trying to teach you, whatever it's trying to help you understand, process it and then help you grow and develop. That's where I'm at. Okay. I'm still, I'm I'm still not able to put my finger on what or who that is. So I might be able to help you with that. So I went through a similar experience uh, as you, as far as losing my faith and then going to believe in, I went all the way to atheism at one point. And then uh, I started to about three and a half, four years ago, I was going through a divorce and there was things happening in my life that was very deliberate and it seemed very purposeful. And at one point, after enough of these random come-togethers, I was sitting at a position to where I had to ask myself, like, does it take more faith just to believe in coincidence and chance? Or does it take more faith to believe that there might be something putting this together? And I realized that it actually took more faith just to think that all of this happened by random coincidence, you know, that it was just some trickle-down effect that ended up here. And so... I opened my mind to the idea of believing in something bigger than what I was capable of understanding. And then I transitioned through that period, and then I, I, I went through a couple of different phases. But where I've landed now is, and this is why I think I'm going to be able to help you with your answer, is because the answer doesn't matter. If it's a God being, like we would like to think of as a God, or if it's just some giant creative energy force out there, or if it's just the fact that we, the conscious spirits of the universe, are a collective energy, and we are actually manifesting creation as some people believe that we are, neither one of those variables change the fact that you are still experiencing an energy. There is some type of large, collective, purposeful energy. And that energy, and I think it can be broke down all the way if you look at the science of it. And so you think that the power source of our solar system is the sun, right? So that means that everything would be basically uh, powered by light, okay? And then I think you could explain possibly the existence of a soul, right? Which is just energy, okay? And it's that it's that positive charge that creates spark that gives us our ability to be right and we just so happen to be conscious energy which i think is a perfectly plausible explanation and then you have to say well okay then it makes sense then that there is a larger energy to all of this collectively we can create a larger energy it explains positive and negative Right. And we also know that energy can never be created or destroyed, which gives the idea of a perpetual existence. Right. And when you put all these things together, what you realize is that it really doesn't matter whether there are 
a doctrinal truth to spirituality, right? Or like what you said earlier, that we're all experiencing the same spirituality, regardless of the religion that you believe, whatever, we're all experiencing the same thing, because there are just truths that come through science, that come through the what we experience in the world, how we interact with this energy, right? That's why we say the words, we produce positivity, right? Because what are we doing? We're producing a positive charge, actually. And that positive charge is going out, and it's manifesting things that become our reality. So we are serving this energy as a whole, one way or the other. And then it also explained to me, like, one of the things that you dealt with is you said that uh, you had a hard time understanding why if there was a God of love or a pure good God, why would it allow bad things to happen at all? And then I realized it doesn't matter. Energy is both positive and negative. And if it can never be truly created or destroyed, then our existence within it, all we are is the same energy. We are the same energy as the ground, as the trees, as the air. We are the same energy as the planets and the stardust in the universe. That's it. So if I die today, if there's an energy God out there, he doesn't care. I didn't die. I just transferred state. I mean, do you cry when you boil water and it turns into steam? <laughs> Absolutely not. Typically not. So there, if there's a creator God that it did create this particular universe that we're living in, it would make no matter to them what happens in our life. That's truly just trivial. That means nothing to the existence of the universe because we don't go away. We just transfer state. And, whether, and then you can build the argument and you can say, well, what if our soul matter stays together and if we just transfer state well doesn't that open up the mind to think that there could be something like reincarnation well technically everything is reincarnated we transfer state and so we reincarnate into whatever else we become if we get lucky enough to reincarnate as a conscious energy again then voila boom it doesn't matter that doesn't really matter it's all the same thing so you can believe in reincarnation if you want. You can just choose not to. You can believe that your soul is going to travel on to some place because it's going to. At, at one point, it's all the same thing. But then you get into, you know, I'm super into biohacking and shit, right? But I'm also into like spiritual hacking. Because now that I've come to this realization and I realize that I am the same energy as the universe, you and I, everyone out there listening, you are all the same energy of the universe, which means that if there is a God that is that energy, then we are gods too. So if God could speak universe into existence, then I should be able to speak things into existence. Oh, wait, that's biblical. Why? Because it's all the same truth. So they had figured this out a long time ago. If you read through those old books, and whether it be the Bible or the Quran or any of these old Egyptian texts, the, the centralized theme throughout these books is a spiritual truth. What they add to it and what they put on the sides and what they build on top of it doesn't really matter. If you get to the core of it, the spiritual truth seems to carry on regardless of your religious belief. So... I was able to kind of come to the, the determination now that I do believe there's a greater energy. I, I can't define what that greater energy is, and I'm not going to try to, because it doesn't matter. Even if that is a God deity, I'm not capable of understanding the material science of the world that's around me. How the fuck would I even think to understand whatever that is? Okay, I can't even fathom that there are light years of space between shit. You know, that is a fucking unfathomable thing. 
That's why I get so pissed off at all these fucking atheist scientists out there because they're like, oh, there's no God because we can prove it through science. And I was like, look, even if there is a God, how egotistical are you to assume that you're smart enough to figure this fucking thing out? <laughs> Mr. I still have questions. I, I'm, I'm laughing because there's a comedian and I'm totally going to blank on his name right now. He's a he's a big comedian, but he talk, he, there's a piece of one of his bits that I absolutely love because it talks about, you know, the fact that you know, we we all exist of atoms, right? Like, or you know, we we're we're, just, we're our our problems are such you know, such a big deal, right? It's we're so stressed out, we're so our you know, it's it's so intense, and then it's like you 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 think you're you know standing here on a stage or whatever. It's like no 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 no, zoom out, <laughs> you're on a rock, floating through space in the middle of nothingness, and we're all like, oh okay, like that's like it's no big deal. It's like Sh- shout out to you flat earthers out there. That, that, anyway, that doesn't fucking and his, and his punchline is that doesn't fucking make sense. <laughs> but yet we all go through it and we're like, yeah, no, that's that's totally normal. I, I won't ever think about Man, that again. I say this shit like, to people all the, the time. Fuck? Like he's no, right. It's, I, it's it's comedy, right? Yeah, but it's so true. It's true. But think about this, right? You know, everybody's out there. I don't believe in miracles, motherfucker. You are a miracle. Look at the statistical probabilities of even being born. Right? Of having conscious They're, energy. Come on. It's unbelievable. You know, you don't believe in miracles. We are walking miracles, actually. So, <laughs> we bring all of this. As you're talking about all of this, it's resonating and I'm processing. Yeah, you're going to go I home can, and think about this shit for like four days. Yeah, and it's great. Well, that's I'm going on vacation. So, the good perfect news time is, to break my brain down. The and good news it, is, this is recorded. So, you're actually going to just be able to re listen to it. Love it. It'll be even better. So. <laughs> I'm sitting here listening to everything you're talking about, just the fact that the energy's everywhere, right? How, I mean, look, how, how does this happen? There's positive, like, that, that energy is contained, like, it, it, it builds, right? And right. it bounces off of each other. The more positive energy and positive vibes we're putting out there, the better chance that we're going to connect with people that one are either a positive energy source themselves or two somebody that's at least searching to understand where this energy source is which kind of defines me right? right so just the sheer fact that i'm sitting here on this podcast having this conversation with you has to lend itself to the to the concept and the belief of the energy is all around us and it's up to us as individuals because we are miracles and we do possess an incredible amount of power to do good in this world by simply just being kind trying to be that positive energy source and the more we are able to experience that as an individual and then begin to project that in our daily lives that's how we make the world a better place is one like because if we if we can start projecting that ideally we're either we're going to project that on those that are closest to us so if we're we have a family or whatever the case may be in your life whoever's closest to you if you're projecting that out and they're latching onto that and they start to really understand how to present that positive attitude and that positive mentality positive energy right and it's positive energy it just spreads right but like you said the energy is positive and negative and the negative piece is really what we talked about on Tuesday night. Because hey, we, we don't see it. You want right? to know the science behind it is? 
and you got to think of atoms, positive, negative, right? Yep. Right. The science behind it is the more positive you put out, the more negative you're going to attract. That's what you got to. And so this comes back to universal truth. So you have a lot of people out there that believe, you know, in karma or whatever the case may be, or they believe that, you know, if something good happens to them, something bad's going to come in threes. You know, have all these little things, right? But the pro the thing is, is they're all true. Because that's how this works. The more positive that happens, and I was I was laughing with Boone. I told him I said, uh, I go up to the Grunt Style event. I had all of this huge, impactful moments that were put together as of things that have been building in my life now for several years, right? And then all of a sudden, it was just like boom, it, you, the wheel turns, and you just end up in position. And I was like, holy fuck, am I in position, right? You know. And I was locked in, and I was like, holy shit, like, this is fucking huge, man. That, but yeah. as soon as I leave that event and I come home, my air conditioner's broke. The reason why it's hot as fuck in the house right now is we have no AC, okay? You know what I did? I laughed because I went, that's how much positivity I just fucking put out in the world. That's how hard I hit that shit, that it broke my fucking brand new air conditioner. And I laughed, and I went, good. Bring it. Because uh, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to put more fucking positivity out there. And then more bad shit's going to fucking happen. That's okay. That means I'm on the fucking right path. If nothing's happening to you, you're standing fucking still. Amen. Right? Amen, Rev. So when you put out that positivity, you're going to also attract it. And that's what creates these alignments. That's what pushes people together. That's why you can have years of building and all of a sudden something comes together and you're in position. So we can segue beautifully. I have a dear, dear friend um, who is essentially a brother from another mother. Shout out to Mike Lutz, um, who I've been friends with for, I don't know, since we were like 13, 14 years old. I was really good friends with his brother. Uh, we're two years older. I'm two years older than Mike, but uh, he introduced me to Dogs for Our Brave several years ago. Um, he's just like, Brian, um, this is an organization like you're totally going to dig, like you need to check them out. So I checked them out. And again, the whole mission of what we provide and who we take care of, obviously just there's massive purpose there for me. Um, and it, it's personal. It's super personal. Um, he gave me a hat, not this one, but the same exact style, which I put dope, it on by the way. I, Thanks, brother. Super, Thanks, super brother. amazing. Yeah, I, I, I hooked the, hooked the, hooked you know, the group got, up with some gear. We got hooked up with all kinds of swag. Yeah, I'm yeah, excited about yeah. it. <laughs> we we want to take care of you guys. Get out there and uh, make sure people you know, people are going to see oh, it and they're going to want to hey, have conversations. We're not just going to promote. We're going to get involved. We're going to help your organization. And uh, I actually, uh, thankfully, because I'm a businessman in the real world, and, uh, you know, um, they, I have several large contributors that are looking for charitable donations, and I'm going to hook you up with one Thanks, of those. Thanks, brother. So, so Mike gives me this hat and I just had this epiphany, if you will, on the drive over here because I'm still trying to put together this message and how much this organization means to me. I put that hat on and I specifically remember when I put it on, sometimes you just put a hat on and you're like, damn, that fits. That feels good. Reflection over time, right? Right. So when this, this job just kind of happened out of chance, it was not something I was looking for. I've been running a boys volleyball program in the area 
since I got out of the military in 2009, um, I've coached thousands of kids. I love that purpose and that mission of helping these young men find purpose on the volleyball court. And through that, we teach life lessons. Um, that saved my life. Um, it, it, it allowed me to rebuild my confidence um, after getting out because I was, I was a mess. Um, and I had to fight through that really hard, but I had that purpose of I've got an opportunity to, to impact lives and I got to make sure I take care of that. Right. Um, so last year was, um, it was tough. Um, I lost two very, very dear friends, um, both in the coaching community, both Kerry Cusimano. Um, so I'm the boys division director for high performance volleyball club. Um, Carrie, um, who's a dear friend who I've known since grade school, um, passed away of a heart attack, um, last spring, just over a year ago. Um, you know, he's the same age as us. Um, that was a really, really hard blow. Um, he was, is somebody that I trusted greatly and had a deep relationship with. And, uh, I miss him dearly every day. Um, fast forward almost six months to the day and um <laughs> one of my coaches who uh ironically grew up right down the street from here um andrew johnson um at 25 years old um epileptic uh had a seizure in the shower and and died um but andrew was a kid that grew up playing for my program i knew him since he was 11 years old um i coached him my wife coached him when he was 14 I coached him at 15s, um, but we were very close, and I knew Andrew was going to be an amazing coach, and he was. He was exceptional. Um, this is another faith piece. Um, he comes from an incredibly faith-driven family. His parents are incredible. His sister actually nannied for us um, for two summers, um, so we we have a great connection with them, and they're again, they live right down the road, which is really gnarly, um, but... Uh, Andrew's loss was, uh, on top of losing Carrie just before that, man, I was, I still struggle. Um, it was, you know, his mom and dad have, uh, you know, expressed the fact that I, it's got to feel like I lost it, lost my own kid. Um, Andrew was <laughs> just starting as a special education, uh, counselor, um, at an elementary school in uh, Kirkwood. Um, talk about a positive energy. Man, he was a big positive energy in this world. So those two losses, um, on top of you know running 24 teams, um, being heavily involved in the entire organization, um, and I'm also the head coach at Eureka High School, um, it, uh, it was a lot. Um, and I, 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 I hit a wall late in the spring um and i actually had taken a sabbatical from the organization because i was just i i could i knew i knew i was not the man that i i expected of myself um i wasn't the husband i expected of myself i wasn't the father i expected of myself and therefore i wasn't the director or the coach i expected of myself and i'm no good to myself i'm no good to anybody when i'm in that state of mind so i knew i had to step away to number one decompress and start to process everything that had gone on over the last year because and it's deeper than that right because let's the last four years you know you talk about being an outsider 
I, um, I'm, I, I was not a vaccinated individual. Um, I was very much in the belief of individual choice um, and being a medic. Um, you know, my wife, we have very, we have, we're on the same page. Um, and so COVID was really hard for us, really, really hard. And it's still very hard to process what we had to live through. Um, so you combine all of that, it took its toll. Um, you know, and through all of that, I was still, I was working to better myself still personal growth development. I was fighting it, you know, I'm not going to quit. Um, I, you know, I try to take care, great care of myself. I, I go to the gym every day, right? Like that's just, I don't miss on that type of stuff. I, I try to put good things in my body. I eat well. Um, so I'm fighting, but it just got to a point where I'm like, I got to eliminate a lot of stress. Cause I just, I, I couldn't, I, I was a mess. Um, I was beat down emotionally more than anything. Um, so I take the sabbatical and, um, I was looking for positive energy <laughs> and, um, Mike said, Hey, why don't you reach out, reach out to dogs for our brave and see if, you know, there's a opportunity for you to go in and volunteer, just get involved and just find something that, you know, you just, it feels right. It fits. Right. So, um, you know, I ended up meeting with April our uh, executive director. Um, we didn't know where it was going. Um, and you know, when, when I walked in, um, the first thing out of my mouth was, look, I don't know what direction this is going to go, but I just need you to know right away. I just want to be involved, whether it's volunteering. I, I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter, but I'm involved because I love, love, love the mission and what you guys are doing. Um, that turned into a two and a half hour conversation. <laughs> um, and then uh, that, you know, turned into, hey, why don't you let's let's set up an interview with myself and our uh, the president of the board, um, who by chance is a guy that Jim Shooty, shout out um, Twisted Tree, Twisted Tavern, Cybergs, Helen Fitzgerald. Um, he uh, he's a volleyball guy. Two years younger than me. Went to St. Mary's High School. Grew up in South St. Louis. I've known him since we were kids. Um, positive energy, man. Like, it just things are things are happening, right? Right. Things are happening. And, so, and as I start to pay attention to that, right, they end up offering me a position. They're like, look, we need a veteran on staff. Um, they need We need somebody that can relate to our veterans. Like, we can't because we're civilians. Now, Jim is a veteran. Um, he served four years in the Navy, but he's the president of the board and he's got, you know, he can't be in that guy, although he, he's incredible with what he does behind the scenes that people don't realize. Um, but, uh, they don't see it and that's how he prefers it. Um, he probably hates the fact that I'm even talking about this right now, but, um, they offered me the position. Um, I had to think about it, but I didn't have to think about it. Um, which is incredible because I've had two passions in my life. Um, coaching and taking care of my brothers. Um, so to have one of those passions open up for me, an opportunity that I never, ever would have expected, um, I knew in my heart that there was no way that I could walk away from it. There was no way. Um, it offered me, a, in a crazy way, 
a chance to be Doc again. Um, you found your purpose. You found your why. I found another purpose. Yeah, I found yeah. my why. Yeah. Um, and it, so I, you know, on the way here, I'm thinking about the hat and I'm like, it just fit. Yeah. Like, it just fit. I think, you know, I'm experiencing something very similar to you at this point in my life. And I look back and I see all the coincidence and the connections. And, you know, part of your story, like all the bad that happened to you before you aligned where you found your purpose, right? I I think that comes back to what I was saying before is like positive and negative energy. The more positive you put out, the more negative you attract, right? And I do feel and I felt like in my personal journey that there was a lot of forces that were trying to keep me from that path. And I think it's that as you're starting to produce that positive, you're getting slammed by that negative, and yet you're just not positive yet enough to get that bounce off right. effect, you know? Yeah. And, you, and once you get aligned enough, and once you get down the road enough, you know, Father Mark brought it up the other day when I was having a meeting with him. He said, uh, we, we started talking about the concept of manifest. And he goes, you know, I always thought something that was very interesting was manifest destiny. Right. And and I said, well, explain that. And he goes, and so he explained it from his side that uh, when you are manifesting good and God is behind you and you're manifesting God's will, that when you go forward with your purpose, the energy following you is going to be so much greater than you that that wave is going to ripple out. And that's how you manifest destiny. He says, but it still takes actions. You still have to move forward in that direction. You have to be aligned with that purpose because if you misalign, that energy will leave you, right? And so, man, you have I have to be able to identify the energy. You know, like I you have to see the opportunity. I took that to heart so much because I thought I'm aligned with my purpose. I'm heading in my direction. Now the the goal is to stay aligned to keep that positive energy behind me because that positive energy is much greater than me. It's going out and it's doing all of these amazing things that I can't take credit for, right? Like you said, some of those come together before. It's like, what did you know 15 years ago that you were supposed to get into volleyball and just all of a sudden just started following your path? Of course not, you know? There were micro steps that had occurred without your awareness, maybe even against your will sometimes. And then... These come together when that wheel starts to turn and you start to position in yourself and you start to become aligned. You have to sit there and go, well, I didn't do that. It would have been impossible for me to make all of those connections. And so that gives me faith in what I'm doing. Because now I know there's a great energy behind what I'm doing. And when I push that energy out, that's going to be much bigger than me. Oh, and that's... mm. Most most of the veterans, we we raised our right hand and believed in being a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I wholeheartedly believe that that is people that don't experience that feeling of truly being a part of something bigger than yourself, especially when it's wrapped around something that's positive and good. Now, there's a lot of argument there between the military piece and the being a part of, you know, something bigger than the self but the brotherhood alone is full of love the and positive energy I it's think not necessarily what we're doing at the time because we don't always have complete control over that but the i mean brothers in arms is it's real because what we experience together is it's it's unexplainable to the civilian um so you we have to 
we have to accept that, right? Like, and we have to embrace that experience of connection, right? It's, it's so vital to be able to experience that in any, that's why, you know, team sports or anything of that, just being able to be a part of something and give yourself to being a part of something bigger to find a positive goal right? is so meaningful. I think that's an internal drive that's in you from the time that you're young. Right. And I think one of the things that Father Mark talked about is, is that we all have our spiritual gifts, right? Some people's spiritual gifts may be higher or whatever, you know, they could be clairvoyant and he goes in all different things. But I think one of the things that is truth in that and come back to that spiritual truth thing is that we have innate gifts, whether they're biological or genetic or whether they're divinely inspired that allow us to excel and do things that I think is our purpose, right? That gives us that drive. And, and I knew from the time I was a, a young kid, you know, I had this drive to talk to people and to do things and whatever. And so I find all these little, these little put-togethers in my core of who I am that have manifested themselves later in life and what I feel is, you know, manifest destiny in a, in a sense, right? And so, you know, these alignments that occur they make you focus and realize that, hey, you know, I've got this way to fulfill my purpose by just listening to the voice that's driving me, you know, and gave gave me the faith to go, okay, well, I don't have to question, I can just know. Like you said that earlier in that thing, it's like you got here and you just knew you wanted to be a part of it. Well, I think that there's a portion of that, you know, I think you can tie back into Father Mark or some of the other sciences, whether it's in, you know, reading energy or whatever the case may be. But I am getting to a point in my own personal journey that when I cross certain thresholds or I go into certain things or I have certain thoughts, I just know. I know that's going to happen. And it may not even happen yet, but I know. I know. It's, it's a solidification in your personal belief that you know. It's unwavering. And you don't have to be able to explain it. And that's the weirdest part for me is I'm such an analytical person. And getting away from this idea that, you know, I don't have to explain this. It's okay not to know. But I'm still going to choose to be a part of it. You know, and that's the that's the important part. That's the being the positive it's person. the biggest part. Well, you know. It's, it's the biggest part. That's why I came, you know, I had a, <laughs> I had a shroom experience in the desert. <clears throat> so I, uh, I was out in the Mojave Desert, and uh, I decided to get really high and take some shrooms, because that's always a good thing to do when you're in the middle of the desert. <laughs> with, no, it, with no cell service. <laughs> when, well, I think I had cell service this time. That's way better if you don't. We'll just stay yeah. with the no cell service. <laughs> so I was out, so I was out there, and, uh, you know, I, and one of the biggest things that I always do with shrooms is I always set my intentions, right? And this is one of the few times where I wasn't setting intentions. I just was going to get fucked up. I just wanted to be fucked up in the desert. No portion attended, right? And so I'm sitting in front of this campfire. And uh, it's cold as hell. And, and I'm stoned and, you know, starting to go on the walk, you know. And, uh, and it hits me. It's like you need to set your intentions right now. Because this is not a space you want to be in you need to set your intentions and so i started thinking about like what were my intentions going to be what 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 is it that i want to work on or whatever you know and i said what is the best thing that i could wish for and i started to drill down on my head and i was going through the layers of all these possibilities of i thought this is the best wish you know save the world or whatever you know and then i get down to the core of it 
And I realized, you know, the one thing you never hear anyone say when you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you, what do you hope to do with your life? What do you hope to achieve? And, and I was like, you never hear anyone say, I want to just be a good human. I love that phrase, brother. It's one of my favorites. And I think we need to embrace it. That hit. And when I realized that and I said, man, that's it. That's my goal. I just want to be a good human. I want to live a life that puts so much positivity out that it outlives me. That when I get to the end of my life, somebody can say he was a good guy. And then your good energy carries on. Yeah. And that's the eternal part of it. Well, that's our, important. Po- our positive energy yeah. thrives. If we pass that on, well, then so- we continue to, it, it's, it seems so, I love that phrase. Like, and I, I talk about it with the players, right? Like I, you know, our seniors, I would tell them, and most of them can attest to this, that, uh, I don't care if you play another point of volleyball. I don't. I, I, I want to know that you had a good experience here, that you made great friends, um, and that you're going to go out in the world and just be a good person and be right. a good member of community. That's it. Like, yeah. That's, that's all. I want to I see you in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and I'm so blessed to have great relationships with so many of the guys that have come through the program that have gone on to do amazing things, both on the volleyball court and just in life. Um, right. And a lot of them just as simple as, being a good person right being a good human being yeah that was it was a very freeing thing for me at that time and then uh you know obviously it had a lot of impact i actually didn't expect to get choked up about that but it was it's uh, profound brother it, that's why it, it's well, profound. it was yeah it's, it was again, a big simple, moment like you say it and just it's like well yeah i want to be a good person but like when you really think about what that can do for the self and then how that projects out to everyone else around you that's the moment you had and that's yeah. the journey you knew you wanted to go on and fuck that's that's deep and that is intentional right there is such deep purpose there that literally drives you from the moment you open your eyes every morning which why why is that important because you're you're thankful that you opened your eyes exactly. and that you can go out and you can spread that positive energy one more day right exactly that is again the more of us that start to come to that realization and then act on it because we we identify the energy and we don't look past the opportunity. Well see you're getting into a concept. And that's that's yeah. where I go with Dogs for our brave. You're yeah, you're getting into a concept where uh, what I've uh, coined as protect home, right? And I think that that is uh in oh man, I forgot her name. There's a a woman that has a bunch of quotes and one of the quotes that I uh, that she has that I really enjoy of hers is that um, there's how to I want to make sure I don't mess this up right so one of the things that she says is uh, you know there's no such thing as a bad person right and uh, that really kind of stuck with me and I was thinking well, how can there be no such thing as a bad person right and I think that's because of the core of who we are we're positive right we get impacted and laid on upon the world and all of this shit gets piled on us and we get stresses and whatever and then you end up with you know whatever related trauma that you have from that right but at some point you have to make a decision whether you're going to push through that shit and clear the way so that that good can come out 
Or you're just going to have to allow that shit to be on top of you, and then it becomes your identity. The good is ever-present when we're born. Right. It's there. It's all the experiences that. that we have from that point. And unfortunately, some of us just are beaten down and beaten down and beaten down and beaten down that it the the soul just turns a different direction and that's well i think you know one of the things they can't find their way out of that darkness speaking specifically of veterans i have the opportunity every now and then to talk to people that i've served with and when i do i always see this common theme they're in this really cyclical repetitive cycle of trauma and through this trauma, they, you know, turn to alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever you want to name it. And they go down this rabbit hole of depression and everything else. And it just keeps going and going and going. And one of the things that I've realized is the reason why this keeps going is because facing it and saying, hey, look, I have trauma. And accepting that fact that, look, something bad happened to me. It's actually harder than the denial of it. We have the societal narrative of, of masculinity that we're supposed to not have feelings or that we're not supposed to be bothered by things, right? So when something like that comes up and somebody goes, oh, did that bother you? What are you going to do? Nah, I'm good. Right. And, you're, and then you believe it because we manifest things through our thoughts and through our voice. And then you believe what you're saying and then it becomes a part of your reality. And then you now believe that you're just hopeless against this or whatever the case may be it's it's primitive like it's a primitive mentality Mm -hmm. like you're going back to so far down the rabbit hole with where we started as humans that's a primitive thought process right we are emotional beings what more people need to realize is that the only path to healing i don't care how much therapy you do i don't care what you do all you're doing is treating symptoms of the core problem And the core problem is you have to be able to say, look, I hurt. And is that's the most difficult thing. That's actually where the strength is. That takes 10 times the strength to say, man, I'm good. Right. But until you do that, until you make that acceptance, that's why alcoholics, what are the first thing that they tell you to do is say, you got to admit you have a problem. Yeah. Right. Once you admit that, hey, look, I do have trauma. I do have shit. And everyone has trauma. Nobody has to go through war to get trauma. Trauma can be a statement that somebody meant for 30 seconds that landed. And all of a sudden that put a seed in your brain that grew into whatever and that fucked your life. That everybody experiences trauma at some level. Everybody has PTSD and a bunch of different things, right? So you have to be able to go, look, no, I am impacted by this. I do hurt. And then when you make that assumption or when you make that assertion that, okay, I do have a problem, then you can start to fix that problem. And then you go look for accessory sources or whatever. You know, you go out there and try to find supplemental resources that will help you get through your therapy, whether it be a rapid eye movement or, you know, box breathing methods or whatever, right? So you can then go find that and then you can start your path toward healing, right? But I think that so many traumatized people are on two sides of a river. And some people's river is a creek, right and some people have a fucking ocean right those people that have ocean they're gonna have to build a boat to get across that but you don't start real growth you don't start the path to personal improvement until you get to the other side and when i was talking to one of my friends the other night um 
I kept telling him, you need to do therapy. I'm going to send you this. I'm going to do this. And he kept circling back. Well, this is my therapy. And he kept trying to spin it off. And I was like, dude, you need to admit that you're hurting. You need to admit that you are the problem. It's not the people in your life. It's not the people that don't want to talk to you. It's not your boss. It's not all this other shit. Nobody wants to be around you because you hate yourself. That's the core of the problem. You hate who you are fundamentally. So what you have is this internal hatred that is so negative that it spreads from the person and it goes to the family. And from the family, it spreads outside the home, which is the reason why the world is a negative fucking place. Because most people hate themselves. Most people can't stop and get back to that first step and go... I'm hurting, I have a problem, I want to find a way through this. Instead, they let that layer on top of them. You know, my wife used an example the other night that she feels like most people are like apples in a barrel. They're perfectly beautiful, wonderful apples, and they're all sitting in the barrel. And on top of that barrel, trauma becomes shit. Some people have full barrels, and it's completely laid over. So even when they try to do good, even when they try to manifest something positive, they're going to hand you an apple covered in shit. You're not going to want to fucking take a bite of that. I don't care how beautiful and delicious that apple might be inside. You're not going to bite through that shit. And then there's some of us, lucky enough, that we've got the shit on the edges of the barrel. Everybody's still got shit, right? I don't care how much positivity I'm trying to put in the world. I still have shit. I still have negative in me. I still have things that I deal with externally, right? But I was able to get that shit to the side of the barrel so that every now and then I can hand out an apple and it's not covered in shit and that was so beautiful because it was like okay now how do we get people to say i want to punch through the shit how do we get people it's not breadcrumbing people it's at some point you're going to make that hard decision that fast decision to go boom i'm going to do this you gotta fight you gotta fight for yourself you have to take action yeah and people don't want to get there that's the problem and it's like once I realized that and it was like, you know, I got pretty harsh with my, my friend on the phone and, and almost felt bad about it. And then I didn't because I was like, no, we need to hit this with a jab. I just had that same conversation the other day, especially with our veterans. That's, you know, the ability to help those of our brothers that we know what they're struggling. Like every story is different, but what we have to fight through and question and process is similar. That, that, that experience is similar. And those of us that have been able to fight through it and, and punch our way out, um, it's, it's our responsibility to go help the ones that haven't found the ability to do that yet. Well, that's, you know, that's what I was trying to explain to my friend the other night. It was like, I'm on the other side of the river, man. I'm gonna, and then he was like, "Oh, but you know, you still have problems. You still, of course, I do. I that never wa- that said water, that water. Uh, hey, got your sex, man. Like we you know, know. It's, it it'll creep back up on us. Right. And if we don't pay attention to that, yeah, I said, I'm not yeah, telling you. I said, but right. you know, the difference is, is I'm still doing my therapy. I'm still working on these things. I'm still progressing forward in this. I didn't just get to the other side and was like, oh man, I'm good. No, no you want to create. Set, we can stay with that analogy, right? Like, you want to keep working so you can create." more separation away from that water right away from that that temptation of climbing back into the 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 self-agony and the hatred and the anger well i've I've noticed self 
right? You gotta I, give you gotta get enough space. I suffer really heavy with cyclical depression for a long time, right? And so falling back into depression because you build mental pathways, right? You actually physically build pathways in your brain into certain trains of thought, especially that become, you know, habitual. And so you have this pathway that's going that direction. You have to build a new pathway because that's a highway. You know, I was somebody who could be having the best day of my life. And then by 11 a.m., feeling a million dollars, 10 out of 10. And by 7 p.m., debating about blowing my brains out. Why? Because I had built that pathway to it's okay to commit suicide. It's okay to kill yourself. That's where you're at. You let all the negative energy in. And it, and it comes in in a tidal wave. And once that did, the path to it so fast. But you know the thing that I love about right where I'm at now, and I'm only three and a half years down this journey, so I'm by no means experienced yet. But I've noticed that things like that, the time frame gets longer and longer and longer. And I'm, brother, it's, I mean, I can tell a parallel story, right? Like, fight the same battle. I just went through it. I, just, I explained it that, you know, this past spring um, that I've, you know, up until recently, I was in a bad place. Um, but thankfully, and this goes back to the guys that say, well, yeah, you still have problems. You're damn right I do. But because I had to fight so hard to finally get over my river and I, I spent the time to reflect I had incredible care. I was so thankful for my therapist, especially down at Fort Leonard Wood. She saved my life. She was amazing. I went through EMDR, and I know, unfortunately, not all our guys get the same care. But she was amazing, and she she gave me the tools to find my way through it on my own. I kept going to therapy for a couple years after I got out, and it just got to that point where I was like, why am I doing this? Because I'm just... I'm, I'm having to climb back into that, me, those memories. And at this point, I don't see how that's beneficial because I'm ready to move on. Um, if I didn't go through all of that and, and possess the ability and believe in myself that, okay, I, I know things are going to get hard. It's life. Life's a motherfucker and it'll kick you as many times as it wants, but it's the ability to process that and not let it take over your life you've got to be able to handle it right and those of us that have gone through the experiences we've had especially the veterans right like it's going to come in waves so fast forward to this spring i was able to tell myself brian you got to stop you're a mess man and you're about ready to go to a place that you may not come back out of <laughs> and that's fucking terrifying yeah it's terrifying but just being able to say that to myself and step away from the things that I loved so dearly and were so purposeful for me, knowing that it doesn't matter how purposeful they are because I'm no good right now. I, I'm not the same person. I'm not the person that I expect myself to be. That's powerful. Well, I think that also explains why we live in a world that we can define sometimes without love, right? Because... I truly believe you cannot love another person if you don't love yourself. You know, at the end of the day, that's not real love. There's no way. And see, so you're not pushing what you need to out. You're not spreading love into the world because you don't even love yourself. 
you know, and, and that's very similar to what I was, what I said to the other day. It's like, you know, when you hate yourself, then you don't have a chance. Like you got to find your way through that. You got to come to the point to go, you know, I am what I am. And if I, if you don't like things about yourself, fix it, change it, become better, do better. Right. You're not stuck with some mold of who you are as a human. You know, I, I looked it's Jordan Peterson, three and a half. Jordan Peterson has a great quote about that. Just about the fact that, you know, we, we put these kids, you know, 18 years old to graduate from high school. And it's like, you know, if, if, if they're not a great student and they don't really, they don't really, they have a lot of problems and they're struggling and whatnot. Well, I guess that's just, that's who they are. Right. What an insane, insanely terrible mindset to be in. Well, there's, like, we, we can't change from that point on in our life. Like that's it. That's who we well, are. You know, that's and, insane. And my frustration with a lot of veterans out there, and there are some that have done this is when they start to wear it as a badge of honor like that. Like, you get people, I have ADHD, I have PTSD, whatever, and then they make zero attempt to fix it at all. They allow themselves to live in this cyclical cycle of complete shit. They spew nothing but negativity on everyone around them, and then they just say, oh, well, I have PTSD. Well, so does fucking everybody else. Like, you get it, but damn, you got to at least put in some fucking effort here, Yeah. right? That really pisses me off. Get back in the fight. Exactly. Get back in the fight. It's like, you know, if you're going to be that way, then you need to own it too. You just need to be like, fucking, all right, that's the, I'm just going to milk this bitch and just fucking own it. Stop the bullshit and the pity parties and feel sorry for me. Take no. action. Take action. Stop whining Execute. and take action. Do what you fucking got to do. Work. Right? It's hard. It's laziness. It's, it's laziness driven by fear. And I don't care who I offend or piss off out there. That's the truth. Well, and we have, you've talked about the fact that now we just see that, that they, they dive into something else, right? They're able to blind themselves from the reality of what they're having to deal with. And now, going back to the fifth gen piece, now they have another addiction that is running rampant throughout our, and that's why we're able to so easily deny how unhappy we are. Because we have the quote-unquote comfort of our addiction, well, which is our of, phone and tablet, whatever the case right. may be. We just bury ourselves in that. And usually, what are we looking at? Things that fuel our ability to mask Right. Well, and then pain. you have this giant social narrative of people that are sitting there telling people that are in that position that it's okay to be that way. You're now damaged goods. You're broken. You know, think about a mirror, right? Such if bullshit. Your, if your mirror was broken and you were looking at yourself in fragment pieces, wouldn't you want to put it back together? And then if you put it back together and you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't like your outfit because it doesn't make you look the way that you want, well, why wouldn't you just go change your outfit? Right? Yep. You can change the person that's in the mirror. You're not stuck with it. And when you change enough internally, and this is a really interesting thing in my life, and I haven't... I think this really does come back to we physically manifest things because I look so different as a human that it, when I walk by people that I knew just two years ago, they don't even recognize me. I don't even look like the same person because I've changed so much inside that it radically changed my outside so much that I was no longer recognizable. I have a different outfit now. That's amazing. Right? It's and, a complete transformation. And the goal is to get a better outfit. And then one step above that and one step above that. Every day you wake up, you try to be just a little bit better than you were the day before. Then, you know, that's why I don't believe in losing. I don't believe in any of that shit. I don't lose. I learn. 
every experience is an right? opportunity to learn. It's every a learning, single one. It's a learning experience. And then if you use those, if you use those losses, if that's what you <sighs> want to call it, right? Those are the most important. Ones. Right. Then you reflect on it and you say, okay, what were the controllables here? How can I control the controllables? What were the things that were out of my control? Okay, well, I don't have to worry about that. Boom. And then it builds you and it makes you stronger. You know, it's like tempered steel and you just become harder and harder and harder. And I've gotten to a point where I'm down the road on it enough that, and and it's arrogant, but it's true, is that now I laugh at it because I'm like, oh, what are you going to do? Just make me stronger? I'm already causing enough problems. You're just going to make it even worse? Great. Bring it. So, you know, a big, the self-development piece and growth mindset is so vitally important to be able to fight through those hard times, right? Because you learn to understand. And, I, you know, it was, God, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe, um, I was working out at the at the Timbers gym in Eureka. And, uh, there was a guy that I, you know, become friends with. He was a veteran, ironically, not surprising, um, that, uh, was working out of the gym and we got to be buddies. And, uh, you know, I was open with him on how much I was struggling. Um, and, uh, you know, one day in the gym, he's just like, dude, you ever listen to Jocko? And I was like, who the fuck is Jocko? <laughs> now, and come to find out the story of understanding who Jocko was, I knew who he was. I just didn't know who he was, right? Um, so I went and listened to a Jocko podcast, and I'm like, damn, this this guy, he's he's intentional with what he's talking about, and the combat experience he had dwarfs what I saw, and yet here he is. So I start digging, right? I find his book, Extreme Ownership. I start reading, and I'm like, holy shit. I was in Iraq at the same time, 05, 06, when they were over in battle in Ramadi. We're like, when they lost those SEALs, that spread like wildfire through country, and it was, it freaked us all out. Like, we were like, gosh, damn, what are we in right now? Like, this is intense. So reading up, pick, you know, picking up that Extreme Ownership book and reading those stories and being able to relate to the messages that he was teaching about life through those experiences obviously the business aspect as well but it allowed me to understand that the story and experiences that i had they can define me in a positive way in the civilian world i don't have to be ashamed of them i don't have to hide from them i can use them for good so then i pick up good i pick up discipline equals freedom i mean and i jocko's a you know, that book changed my life and it gave me the resources and the tools and the power to know I have control over myself and my life and my actions. I don't have to allow the darkest demons, the darkest days to dictate what I'm going to do. Right. I can, can, I, I can fight through it. I have the tools. I have the resources. Started working out, started taking care of myself, right? Um, it's that growth development mindset. You have to be looking for it. And you have to be willing to take action on it. And a lot of our guys just aren't, they're, they're not willing to do that. So I share that message. I share any, any, any books that are out there, right, that I feel like, especially military books that I feel are positive resonators that maybe, you know, somebody else can finally, they read it and they're like, damn, okay, I can do this. Like, right. So a big part of what we're doing, um, you know, with Dogs for Our Brave um, is – something I'm introducing with the with the pairing process because our dogs you know go through a mind body spirit 
training piece, which I, I mean, God, how it's incredible. Right. And I was like, look, we need to, we need to incorporate the mind, body, spirit with our veterans. Um, so looking at ways if, when they come in town for training, right. They train for like two hours and they take a break. They train for, they come back to the facility, train for another two hours, take a break in those downtimes. You know, I'll look for ways that the veteran feels could be beneficial. So mind, like talking about yoga, meditation, right. Go to the gym. Um, if they, if they require like aquatics training because of their injuries, like finding a partnering with pool to be able to take them there. Right. Um, looking to go find maybe some really good music, some good jazz, taking them down to Powell Symphony Hall, right? And and really starting to help them nurture themselves with mind, body, spirit, holistic healing, and empower them to realize there are there are positive forces out there that you need to start taking advantage of. Well, you know, one thing I think you might want to incorporate with that or a suggestion that I would have, because I think what you're doing is amazing there, is uh, three of the techniques uh, that really worked for me. And it goes back to what you were saying when you were going through therapy, having to relive that. One of the the therapy techniques that worked for me, and I I don't know what the psychological term is for it, but the therapy that I was taking called it sit in place. And it really talked about when you go through these emotional experiences internally, instead of denying yourself that memory, that thought, or whatever it is you're experiencing, instead go in deeper and allow yourself to sit in that space and just feel Feel and experience it, right? Yeah. And then in that way, you learn to process it. You're in it long enough that you're not just trying to shove it away. No, go, 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 go. And you're just not pushing at it, right? You're in it long enough that you get to actually sort through the emotions, the thoughts, the feelings, the facts. And then you're able to go, okay, what do I want to do with this? Now I have a choice to make. Can I compartmentalize this in a positive way? Do I need to shovel it back? Is there something else that I need to go back and address here? But if you use that sit in place, it's there. And and for me, this produced a lot of anxiety. And so the next technique that really was beneficial for me was the box breathing method, right? Learning how to use the box breathing. Let's go back to the sit in place. The sit in place. Because I'm curious. Okay. So like I think of it as put your feet on the floor. Yeah, you can ground yourself, correct? Be still. Now, the challenge in that is you have to put yourself in a place somewhere where you can get rid of the distractions. Well, in that particular therapy, it actually works a little bit different than that sometimes because one of the things that it taught me is, you know, I have memories, like traumatic memories that come up that I have repressed. And so every now and then, uh, and it doesn't usually start as the memory. What it starts as is an overwhelming emotion, okay? And then I'll start experiencing some emotion, whether it be anger, sadness, whatever, that doesn't fit my environment at the time. Like I know it's not coming from my external environment, so it's got to be coming from my internal. And then so when I realize that, then I learn just to not push it away, to let it be there, and then just allow myself to experience that. Sometimes that's days and weeks. Because the way that these memories happen with me is I get this emotional response and I, I, I am in whatever state I was feeling in that memory. And then the challenge becomes, then I have to start going through my catalogs of memory until I land on a memory that fits. And then once I can land on a memory that fits, then I put it together and I go, oh shit, 
I remember that, and that is what happened, and that's where the sit-in-place starts. The sit-in-place starts once you have the memory combined with the emotion. Now you can process the facts. Now you can process what was actually happening. Now you can process how you were actually feeling, and then you can process what am I going to do with this new information, right? And sometimes even that revelation, I've had a few of those where I'm still kind of working through what to do with it. Because it shocked me. I was like, oh, shit, I don't even remember that happening. And then, boom, out of the blue one day, and you're like, oh, no wonder. This is definitely something that has shaped my life. This is definitely something that impacts how I interact with others. And I didn't even realize it was there. But so that therapy gave me the ability to just be able to walk around for a few days without fighting what was going on and just embracing it. You know, there's times where I'd be driving down the road and I'd be crying. Mm, yeah. Driving's a big one for me. And I had no reason to cry. Yeah. Just pouring tears like yeah. a baby. And I would be happy or I'd be having a good day. Yeah. And I couldn't explain to you why I was just bawling. I it's just, so weird. I just had that on Monday. Yeah. I, on it's Monday. such a weird experience. And then, but you know, and within a, a couple of hours or a couple of days or whatever, once and whatever triggered that, something in your environment triggered that. And that's where we have these physical triggers in our brain, right? Our brain went straight back to that space and time. And when you have that trigger, and that's a funny thing, and I don't want to give any ammunition out there to the people like, I'm triggered. <laughs> but you, when, it's a different trigger. But it is a real thing, yes. right? To be triggered oh. is just to push yourself into a natural or remembered way of thinking or acting or behaving, right? Boom. And sometimes it's all of those things together. Your brain just switches gears and goes into a different mode. And, but once I realized that you, once you put that together, then you come to that space to where it's like, okay, now I have that memory. Now I'm going to be able to process that. Now I'm going to be able to say, hey, look, it's okay. Right. And that was the biggest turning point for me to realize that I don't have to fix all my problems. I don't. I can just sometimes go, that's okay. It's okay to feel that way. But recognize that you're feeling that way and at least go through the process. Exactly. Right? Like you just have to at least go through the process to recognize that you're struggling. And yeah, you may not find the source that time. Monday, and this was a small port, but like I was super emotional in the morning. And I'm like, I, what? The, like we had a pretty big meeting, at, uh, you know, at the office that night. And there's, you know, there's a lot going on. I've I've cried some beautiful tears every single day I've been in the office with this job um, because of the positive work that we're doing. Um, those are healthy tears. Um, but Monday, I was like, man. I am, something's off, something's wrong. I'm feeling something real deep. I couldn't even, I'd get ready to just speak about anything and I'd, I'd be on the verge of tears. I get to the office and I found out why. I did not realize it, but it was National Purple Heart Day. Mm. <clears throat> and that just, I, it's just, it's, we don't want to use the word, right? But tr it's a trigger, right? Because it, it's like, man, there's a lot of emotions going on immediately. I'm like, Okay, that's why. Right. That's why. I could put it into place immediately. I'm like, all right, here's what I'm dealing with. So I know that if I'm in a good place, and I'm in a great place right now because of the work I'm doing, I'm like, feel it. It's okay. Well, I think that's a good therapy technique, especially for the people that may not be doing that on their own, right? If you get them in your organization and at least teaching them a technique that would allow them to face some of their trauma instead of running from it or trying to push it away, then you give them a, even a better. But I also am a big one on... So would you consider like meditation? I mean, because it's kind of... 
I think I would teach those techniques. And when they were taught to me, they were taught like classroom techniques. Really? Yeah, they really were. They were explained very similar to the way that I just explained it to you uh, and to the audience. But uh, it is primarily was just textbook techniques to give me tools to be able to employ the things that I wanted to achieve because I really didn't know the steps. Like we can say, Hey, let's go be positive, right? Let's work through our shit. But that's why I say you have to go find supplemental resources. You have right. to find things to help you. And, and I didn't, I went through five complete therapies before I landed on my last therapy that put this together for me. Right. And that's another thing that I would say too, is when you allow your experiences to exist, then you also give yourself the opportunity to realize that later down the road, those put-togethers will end up being something positive, right? And you don't realize that in those moments. You can't just say, well, I always want to have a great day. You don't realize that this thing that you may not think you want is actually what you want. Because down the road, that's what, you know, like you mentioned with volleyball. You got into volleyball just by chance, and then down the road that played a piece into a piece into what you were doing, right? And if you aren't allowing yourself to be in those spaces when you are being most obviously forced in that space, then it may take some time. It may take some time. You may not get over it right away. You know, whatever you're experiencing, it may last. And I said that's what was such beautiful about that grunt style event and the information that they laid out, because. For me, it was all of these things that I was feeling. It was all these things that I was still trying to process. And then I had that moment of clarity and that put together occurred and it filled in all those missing pieces and it was boom. But that was three, four, five years in the making. That was a long time. If I would have ran from this discomfort, I would have never have ended up on my path. Yeah. And in the, in the word, as we've been talking about this and you know, you're, you're, you're providing your experiences and how you've, how you've worked really hard and, 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 and researched and, and put in the time to find the ability to put yourself on the journey that you want to go on. One of positivity, right? Everybody's journey is going to be different, right? You've got to understand that. Like, my journey is going to be different from the veterans that I talk to, right? But the, the, what, what I want to help them understand, and it's just like what you're doing, right? you got to make the move into the positive journey. Right. And it's, it's going to be hard, especially early on. Like You're going to have to learn how to process the pain and the trauma that you're dealing with by accepting it. That's when you start the journey, right? Once you decide that you want to start facing them, your journey has begun and it is a long journey. Right. I'm, you know, again, I got out in 2006. It, when they diagnosed me with chronic severe, chronic severe anxiety due to combat related PTSD, I was like, legitimately in my mind, I was like, is my, does my doctor just like me and he's trying to help me out and make sure I get a good diagnosis so I can be taken care of. Right. I wouldn't allow myself to tell the story of, I'm fucked up. Right. It was years later when I was still b battling just crippling anxiety attacks. Right. Um, I mean, when, when we got back from combat, um, from Iraq, um, I was a mess. And I, you know, I pride myself on knowing that I was a good soldier. Like I did, I did my job. 
Um, I honorably served my country, um, and I took that serious, mainly because of the job that I decided to be a part of. I wanted to be a medic. That's all I wanted to do. They tried to talk me into psyops, ironically, at um, at the recruiting office after I took my ASVAB, and I'm like, nope, I'm going in as a medic, um, and that's it. Um, find me a slot, or I'm walking out of here. I was coaching in college at the time. My volleyball journey goes way back further than that, but we won't have to get into that now. But, uh, you know, I'm a 9-11 guy. So um, I wanted to be Doc. Um, I wanted to help. I wanted to help our guys. Um, so, you know, as I go through my journey of healing, right, because I was – I had to recognize the fact while I was still in service because we were spin, spun up and we were going to deploy again. All of the other medics except for one all left. Our, a lot of our leadership went on – they either ETS, ETA'd, whatever. Um, so we were a shell of a battalion that we were when we deployed. And that was terrifying in and of itself. But at the same time, I was having to come to the realization that I was having symptoms that I wasn't able to identify. Every morning I'm getting up and driving into PT. Every morning I'd have to pull over and fucking throw up because I'd just dry heave for like 10 minutes. And then I'd go to PT, right? And it was finally one day um, batal- or at a company staff meeting. At that point I was the senior medic. Um, first sergeant put something out and I fucking snapped like raised my voice. I'm a E4 promotable at that point, right? But I'm the senior medic and you know, I'd served with these guys, so they they knew me really well. To my first sergeant's credit, thank you first sergeant Seville. Thanks top. Love you, brother. He didn't he didn't call me out right there. After the meeting, he's like, "Doc, my office is right next to his." He's like, "Come on in." I sat down. He looked at me. He's like, "What the fuck is going on?" And I just lost it. I I was finally able to recognize the fact like I'm fucked up. Like, I just, I can't. And I started explaining everything that was going on, right? So I didn't realize it at the time, but that's where my journey started. Because I, I was, I ended up not deploying that next um, deployment um, to Iraq because I knew, and I, the battalion commander was incredible. They were all super supportive. I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to do my job when I got over there and given the fact that I was a medic that scared the fuck out of me well I think there's a beautiful put together in which you just said that shows that inside of you like we talked about the good apples right inside of you existed whatever drive it doesn't matter what you look like in that moment in time right your frame of reference was your frame of reference you were only developed as a human enough to at that moment in time that regardless of what you were putting on the outside however small that light was it was still there and that should be encouragement to people out there listening it's like if you are even still in the shit and it's terrible there's a little bit of light in you that will drive you through to that other path right and the great thing is is once you get far enough down the path and the beginning of it sucks like i ain't gonna fucking sugarcoat that for anybody you know the first two three years of my journey it was you know terrible and i would say maybe two and a half years that's probably a better time frame and uh but once i came out of that like now it's fun it's the most exciting enjoyable thing that i've ever done in my entire life and it is it gives me purpose it gives me fulfillment it gives me faith it gives me all of these positive things that i would never want to go back the other direction that journey shaped who you are because you were willing to go on it. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's such a powerful 
part of who we are as human beings to be able to take those experiences and recognize that they can build us into a better human being. Right. That's again, that's a Jocko piece. Like, but it's a, it's just a natural understanding. But that's of, the reason why you tell people you can't live in the past and blame yourself for quote unquote mistakes. They weren't mistakes. They were necessary learning moments that developed what you needed to be the person that you are today. That's you got to stop looking back and say, Oh man, I fucked this up. I fucked that up. I made this decision. I made that decision. You know, I, I tell people about my military career. I was a terrible soldier. All right. I went in in 1999. The army was a fraternity and I was a complete shitbag soldier. And I mean, to the umpteenth, to the point I was overweight. I was flagged for being overweight. My uniform looked like dog piss every day. I didn't give two shits about being in the army. And I worked most of the time that I was in the army to get kicked out of the army. Right. Yeah. Then I got orders. I was actually ETSing and I was working at long gym on Fort Riley. And uh, I was the uh, NCOIC of the gym as a specialist. So they were kind of hurting for people, but I was just on my path out, man. I had a couple of like 90 days or something. And then anyway, my unit got deployment orders with the first armor division. And then one of the sergeants there was asked, like, you know, if you could have anybody back, who would you want? And he called my name. And I was like, eh, fuck me for being decent <laughs> at my job. And uh, I have so, a feeling I know where the story is going. You know, I love it. But what, what really is important is, is when I got the orders for Iraq, I had to make a choice. Because I knew if I went over there as a soldier that I was, I was not coming home. There was no chance. So it's like I either have to actually play Army now. Or I'm probably not going to live through this. And so I decided to play Army. And then two unexpected things happened. One, by the time I left Iraq, I loved the fucking Army. It was like the greatest job on the planet. Okay? Because I didn't have an experience like you where I got blown up. Nothing bad happened to me. Okay? I got very lucky. I was there from uh, February of 2003 until September uh, like 10th or 11th of 2003. I was actually in a plane flying home from Iraq on September 11th. That wasn't nerve-wracking at all. Gnarly. And so um, by the time I left, I mean, I just loved the Army. All I wanted to do was re-enlist, right? It was like, find a way to keep me in. I knew where you were you going know? with this story. And now I look back. You know, and I did several years in the National Guard after that because they wouldn't let me go back to Germany, those assholes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we got laid over in Frankfurt. And, uh, oh, we, and one of the guys was there. He had been stationed in Frankfurt. He's like, so let's go ahead, take a taxi and go downtown. We did. And, well, oh my God, the amazing level of debauchery and fun we had. Okay? Germany's amazing. And so I come back and I realize, like, I want to still be in the Army. And the only thing I want to do is go to Europe so that I can explore all these countries in Europe. I want to live this fucking dream, right? Yeah. And uh, they were like, no, you can't. The Big Red One was redeploying from Germany at the time. And they were like, nah, you're out. And so I ended up joining the National Guard, and I did a few years in the Guard. So there was nothing special there. But, uh, you know, it... Um, I look back at my life now, as much as I hated the military, as much as I was anti-military, probably up until about four years ago, like the least military supporter you'd ever want to meet. Wow. And four years wow. ago, that experience started shaping changes and come togethers in my life to where it made me realize that without that quote unquote terrible mistake there would have been no way for any of this to be possible. 90% of what this is, is driven by that terrible experience that I wanted nothing to fucking do with. Please kick me out. I would have been so happy just to get kicked the fuck out. You know, I had a, 
I had a shout out to First Sergeant Coley, uh, if you're out there. Uh, I had an opportunity where I was going to get medically discharged, and they were actually going to kick me out, and I was so excited. And I go there, and I hand the paperwork to the First Sergeant, and uh, he says, all right, give me a couple of days. And he deliberates on it for two or three days, and he pulls me in his office, and he goes, I know you're going to hate me for this, but he goes, uh, I think this is the worst decision that you can have in your life right now he's like you're you're young you're married you guys don't have an education you you've got all of this stuff going to you like if i let you out right now you're going to go down a path in life that is going to be just complete shit and he's like can't do it to you son i know you're trying to get out but i also know you're full of shit and i'm not going to allow this <coughs> and uh when i was leaving iraq i had the opportunity to see him and i ended up thanking him and then i called him Oh, probably six months ago. And uh, I finally found him on Facebook and I got back in contact. I was trying to get him on the podcast because I really wanted to have him on the podcast. In fact, it was the podcast for this day. Oh. Um, August 11th, 1999 was the day that I left for service. Wow. It's the day I got on the bus. Wow. So this has always been a really special day for me. And yeah. I always try to Absolutely. celebrate. Well, I'm happy I, to be a part of it with you, brother. Hey, it's why I'm grateful to be doing this podcast today and grateful that the amazing opportunity to have Boone Cutler on the show oh. and the fact that it's dropping today, yeah. the numerical significance listen, in that listen to it. Listen is to huge, it. Right? Listen to it and share it. I guarantee it's going to be amazing, and I haven't even heard it yet. It, oh, it's <laughs> it's so fantastic. It is a really... I'll I plug mean, it without even hearing it. Boone's a professional, Oh, he's, and yeah. he is not just a professional. He's a very educated, very well-spoken very intelligent uh human who's larger than life yeah and to you listen to him talk and to, to just take over the 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 mic and it was just like wow i i just sat there in awe like in the podcast i was just like damn you're good <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of spin your mic around like no you're good brother go ahead yeah just you keep, got this. just keep talking yeah. i i don't really have anything to add here, when you're so. done just say all right that's all. <laughs> Mic drop and walk off. Like I'd have, I wouldn't even have been offended. I'd have just been like, "Yeah, that's yeah. A, that, that's all I have to say about that." Yeah, just been <laughs> and like, then you're okay. done. End the podcast, <laughs> and we're moving on. Uh, but no, it was it was fantastic. And so having that happen today on August 11th is like a really big deal for me. And uh, but it's so funny that day for up until just a few years ago was not a celebrated day in fact that was a day where i would take off work i would go home i would like lock myself in a closet and i would just been depressed hating myself for that decision because that decision ruined my life Fuck. now it made my life i wouldn't be where i'm at today without it i wouldn't have the wonderful people in my life that i have without it right it's yeah because you embraced it you finally real like you were able to so i knew as soon as you said you were a shitbag soldier like and they're out there right so when i got when i, I got to, when i got to the unit dude. right like i was older when i i was 26 when i enlisted man like i was old um i was grandpa yeah but i, was, I had a specific I purpose 18, i knew like, i knew what i was going to do terrible i knew what i was going to do so and again being a medic I knew I had to carry myself with a certain See, level of... I, I had no fucking yeah. clue what I was going to do. They so told me I was going to gonna operate heavy equipment. <laughs> I get to the unit, and I'm working with some of these guys, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, some of these guys are just ate up. They're constantly, like, they're getting fucking lit up for uniform violations, whatever. They're late, whatever. Fast forward. We go to combat. 
than those guys that I thought were shitbags. I'd go back with them in a heartbeat, man. Because I found out that when shit hit the fan, they were going to be right there. Um, and, uh, man, I was so fortunate to serve with some unbelievably fantastic leaders. Um, some real salty NCOs. Um, some guys that had, you know, been to Bosnia and whatnot and been on that initial run to Baghdad and had had really experienced some hardcore shit. If it wasn't for them, man, we 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 our that deployment's way worse than what it was. But I, I think it was amazing identif like seeing those guys and I never like we got back when we got back to, you know, the States, um it didn't matter. I knew they were going to be all chewed up. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Like, you guys yeah. are fucking amazing. Well, I think that's... Because I knew a, it was important at that time. That's one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough. And I wish it was highlighted more, especially I, I teach business classes, right? So I'm, a, I'm in the business world. And it's the amazing leadership that exists within the military. I have had so many life-changing quality leaders in my experience in the military... I can still list them by name. Oh, I, yeah, I, I know everything that in the lessons that I learned from each one of them. My senior NCIC you know? for the medical corps and staff sergeant Lepardo. The sad thing Shout is, out. is you do have those bad ones. Oh yeah, you you got them. Oh yeah, and but that's where everybody chooses to see negative. They look at that and they let that shape their experience instead of looking around and saying, "What else did I get?" Right? But there's so many tiers of leadership well, within the military. I had a, at somewhere, some point in the chain of command, there's a good leader there that can help. Correct that to a certain degree. Well, you know what's beautiful about this, though, is as I realize this comes down to those core truths that we were talking about earlier. Because one of the realizations that I had to come to was with the Iraqi people. Okay, I spent several years after being deployed to Iraq very bigoted and yeah. very racist. Yeah, right. And anybody who who followed a Muslim religion at all was completely no go. And anybody who was uh, looked Arabic at all was a complete no go. I was living in that terrible hated place and because of my personal growth and because of the people that i've been around i've been challenged constantly about this and then i came to this realization when i finally had to sit in place and really think about it what really happened 90 percent of the time when you met someone they weren't shooting at you they were waving at you they were coming up to you they were braining you water or offering you food or you know and i think about that we talked about the russian armies walking down the streets and everybody was getting up in arms about that like a year ago and it's like it we look oh we're gonna run out of our guns they didn't do that those people did not do that they and they had every right to absolutely yeah absolutely every right to. absolutely nobody could have faulted them for mowing us down nope no, None. no, no. Okay? We were on their streets and their houses and their spaces. We didn't belong there. Killing their family members. Like, yeah, and it they was showed nothing for the majority. Not all. But the majority of the people that I met showed nothing but love. Pure, true, honest love. Dude, that's beautiful. They were trying to spread that. And that is Even taken... in the worst moment, in the worst, worst possible atmosphere. They're still out but there trying that, to spread that, love. That proves, though, that you see what you focus on, right? When I came to that realization, when I allowed myself to accept that thought, that completely reshaped how I viewed everyone that was Arabic, everyone that follows a Muslim religion. That reshaped the entire landscape. Now I'm someone of acceptance. Now I'm someone who tries to find people in those communities because that love is pretty fucking amazing, and I'd like to have that in my life again. Yeah. 
right? Agreed. There are there are things about that that it, it completely reshaped the dynamic for me, and that created another step, another link in the chain to help make me a, a person that's on the path that I'm on. It gave me acceptance. And if you don't allow yourself to align and look around and really get to see what you experience, like when I look back at my military time, lots of positives, lots of positive leaders, a lot of positive experiences. The work ethic and the discipline that the military taught me, you know, I had an experience, it was a, it's a really stupid experience, but we were hiking up in Michigan and uh, me and my wife are avid hikers and I'm with my son who is a high level select soccer athlete, national MPL league athlete, and he's uh, 15 and a half at the time. So he's in phenomenal shape. I was a soccer player too. And we talked about that. Yeah, and <laughs> well, and, I was a goalie. And I was in really was good shape. Yeah. And so we go out on this hike, and the hike was only like eight miles. I was like, "This is nothing." You know, we will hike more than this all the time. And we leave out in the hike, and then about two, maybe three miles into the hike, it opens up, and we're stuck in the middle of the sun, and it's unseasonably hot for Michigan at this time. It was like ninety-four degrees. Ooh. And we're stuck in the sun, and we're in the middle of sand dunes. And they're not small sand dunes. They're, you know, they're 40, huge. 50 yeah, feet. In Michigan I mean, they're legit. tough. They're, they're legit. fucking tough. Yeah. I'm sinking down, and I'm about a knee deep into the sand every time that I'm climbing up a sand dune. And I'm, I'm coming down the other side, and I'm going a little over ankle deep. I don't want to wear shoes. My shoes are sucking with fucking sand. Um I, I can't walk barefoot because it's so fucking hot. There's no trees within any type of reasonable distance that doesn't it's bad, evolve. It's a bad spot, brother. It was bad. That's a bad and spot. And we ended up there for three miles. Three That's intense. fucking miles. That's intense. Okay? And so there was a point where I thought, oh, my God. Like, we had our dog with us, and our dog is an American Pitbull Terrier mix. Incredibly healthy, incredibly young. He's only like three, four years old. We were worried about losing the dog. Yeah. Right, he was getting to the point where he was like, "Fuck you guys, I'm just gonna die." Here. Yeah, I'm gonna lay down. And I'm so done. my son picked up the dog, and started carrying the dog. And so I'm in this space where I'm like, "Oh fuck, dude, shit got really serious." Like, all of a sudden, this is a fucking survival moment. You our know, do- our dog trainers are all but crying listening to this. You, right now, but you, you know what I did? I went back to that army. Put your head down. Keep moving forward. And I remember the hardest moments in the army, one step at a time, one arm at a time sometimes, yeah. right? Whatever it took. And I dug deep and I kept moving forward. That moment saved my life. There, I, there was moments where I was really close to quitting. Yeah. Really close. And I thought they were going to have to fucking mark me and somebody's going to have to come get me. If people haven't been in those environments where you know? they've been out in that in the elements like that. Dude, I was. It, it had to be 130, 140 degrees on that sand. It, be, it beats you, you down. You, you couldn't touch it. Yeah. If you touched it, it immediately burned you. Yeah. And it's, you know, so I had burns all up and down my legs. God. Like, dude, it, was, it fucking sucked. Yeah. Like, and it sounds like a really stupid story. But it was a fucking shit show at the moment. Anybody that's been in those, again, and, been in the elements like that, it's and it doesn't matter if it's that environment or the extreme cold, whatever. Yeah. Like, you're in those environments. It's ter- when you realize I'm in trouble. Like, and and you have that experience to recognize that you're in trouble. 
It's terrifying. Oh, it, was it's so, terrifying. it was so hot on that sand that we were carrying camelbacks. I had a three-liter yeah. camelback with me. And one, not only was almost empty, two, by the time that it got about halfway full, it was scalding. Yeah, and that, you know, people it don't realize, so like, it's, oh, it's fucking bad, it. dude. Yeah. And so, uh, but, you know, that those experiences, again, going back to that, that, you know, you didn't value, ended up saving your life. You know, that's, those are huge defining moments in your life that you got to look back on. And you got to say, oh, my God, that wasn't bad. I'm so glad somebody put me through that shit, right? Because if I wouldn't have been put through that <laughs> shit, I wouldn't have had what I needed then. I had a conversation. I, I mentioned his name earlier. Um, Roger, Staff Sergeant. Uh, well, I don't even know what he got out as he was first sergeant. What I, but uh, Roger Lepardo was my uh, our NCOIC. And uh, I had a conversation with him years back because um, we've remained close. Um, when I got this job, um, I messaged a lot of them. And I'm like, guys, I'm back in the fight. Like, this is this is incredible. But years back... I was struggling pretty pretty badly, and uh, I reached out to him, and uh, he was he's always there to answer the call, whether I text him, call him, message him on Facebook, doesn't matter. He he responds, just like a lot of those guys do. Um, Givens, love you, brother. Um, he talked me through the fact that like, hey man, we saw some terrible shit, and it was hard, but you got to remember how many great moments we had the positive moments we had, the interactions we had just as, you know, just as a unit, right? And the fun we had, like, that's part of the, that's part of the experience too. And if you don't allow yourself to remember that and it's only the bad, it's going to consume you. Right. And I was angry that he told me that because I'm like, I don't want to, because it, it's that mentality of I'm, I'm, I'm disrespecting our brothers didn't come back. Right. Um, I, I felt guilty about that, but, over time because I allowed myself to go on the journey. Um, I 100% knew he was right that I had to embrace the entire experience. And again, that's where Jocko kind of fits in and just being able to pull all that information together. Um, and I got heavily involved in listening to, you know, Joe Rogan and, um, you know, that's where Jordan Peterson came into play and it just opened up this whole field of people that were searching. Right. They were on the journey. Right. And I'm so thankful for that conversation and for him helping me realize there's so much and, and just putting me in a position to start to accept how much knowledge we gained, right? right? If we can if we can learn from the negative, we don't ever forget about it. We learn from it, though. We remember the positives and see we were damn good at what we did. Like, right. our medical crew was good. Like, those experiences were good. I have the ability to do good Mm -hmm. because of the experiences I had, both the negative and the positive, right? I've I've said this numerous times. People thank me for my service, right? Um, yeah, that one gets I'd me do, too. I'd do it all over again, No, despite how hard it was, because those experiences shaped who I am today. I wasn't – I didn't know who I was. I knew I was coaching volleyball at that point, but um, I didn't know who I was. Um, I, you know – I wasn't the greatest student. I did go on and play in college, um, but uh, I didn't know. I didn't have a direction. I didn't have self confidence and self discipline. True self confidence and true self discipline in myself, and I made a lot of bad choices. Um, you know, I, I'm in a great place today, but I've made a I've, I've made a lot of bad choices in my life. Um, but I'm still here um, because I don't give up. I'm not going to quit. Um, 
because of those experiences. Um, I, I won't let the negative beat me down. Um, mm. And that's hard, right? Because there are people out there that want to hold on to those negative experiences, especially they hold it against you if you let them. Um, and they, they try to make that define who you are. And a lot of times it's just because they're an unhappy person too. Um, right. So they're going to look to beat, beat you down as well. Um, and I, I, you know, and it's a constant fight. It, it's a constant fight because those, 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 those opportunities to get beaten down are out there almost, at, almost daily, right? Especially if you're a person that's willing to put yourself out there and live life and get in the world and experience things. Those opportunities present themselves every day. Um, but well, one of the most freeing thoughts is the idea that everyone's perception of you is true. Everything that anyone says about you is true because that's their perception in that moment in time. And it doesn't matter. You know? You're right. In any given moment in time, no matter how much light you're trying to put out in the world or whatever, just one moment of negativity. If Even if you corrected it 30 seconds later, if somebody was there to experience it in that 30 seconds, that's going to be their reference for you. You know? And, and, I, and I think the amazing part about that is because I caught myself, I, I, can, I can vividly remember times through, you know, just experience in life, just not military, just in general, being a coach, being a director, right? There have been moments where I've recognized right in the moment that that's not who I am because of a reaction of another person, a, a parent or a player or whatnot. And I'm like, damn, I can process it and be like, that's not who I am. Get your shit together, man. Like you're, you're better than that. Um, and that's, that that's so important to recognize like you're right that perception of who i was in that moment is never going to change for that person right. right but i can make myself better to ensure that the next experience it's going to be positive right. right um and that's hard because that's that's self-reflection and you've got to you've got to be honest with yourself um and there's no one more difficult to be honest with than yourself <laughs> you got to do two things you got to look at yourself in the mirror and see your reflection as it truly is. Step one. Step two, you got to look yourself deep in the eyes and say, I love you. And you got to tell yourself that every day. You have to love yourself. You have to be, you have to feel that what you are is worth being. And then you can pursue to become better. Man, I'll tell you what, I think that for what you're doing with, uh, you know, uh, Dogs for Our Brave is so amazing. And I will tell you, and I'd like to say this so that you know it, you're still on mission. You're, you're, I'm back in the fight. You recommitted. Tim Jensen said it to me the other day, but I've, yeah. I've said it to April and, and Jim and whatnot. I'm back in the fight. Yeah. So um, what you're doing is, is absolutely fantastic. And I think coming on this podcast today, I'm actually really glad the conversation went the direction it did because I feel like this is a mental space to help veterans, you know, where the dogs couldn't have broke this barrier. Right. And it would have been great to have some here to play with. And, and, you know, we're definitely going to go do that in the future, but you were able to convey through your words and your experiences, a pathway for somebody who is struggling, who can get out of that cyclical cycle, who can move forward, who can find a path to start achieving positivity in their life to get on the other side of that river and to grow. And, uh, man, I think that's beautiful. Do me a favor. I would like you to tell our audience a little bit uh, about where to find your organization, uh, how to support your organization, whether it be through volunteer or donation. Why don't you take a, a minute and, uh, and, and lead people to where you're at, and then I'll make sure to have that information in the description as well. I appreciate it, brother. Um, 
I, before I go into that, I just have to say thank you um, for the audience. Just to identify, this was uh, my uh, my first podcast experience, um, and I was terrified because I had a feeling I knew where this was going to go because uh, <laughs> I've listened to a few of the podcasts now, and I'm like, this is going to be deep. And I knew coming in here, I had to make myself vulnerable, um, and I had to be willing to open up. And that's it's fucking scary, um, but. I, I hope that it just encourages other to open and it's not about opening up on a podcast or whatever it's it's first and foremost opening up to yourself love yourself right so thank you for allowing me to be a, a part of this I love what you guys are doing man like it's just it's a great message it's a great con- it's a good conversation yes, which is what is. we need it's good conversation well you know and it comes back to the purpose of what we're doing <laughs> here you know when I conceptualize the idea for this podcast what I realized is that when I'm sitting in a room with people throughout my life as I meet them, and I meet other people from wonderful diverse backgrounds, I mean Sarge is an example of that, the professor is an example of that, the captain is an example of that, and we would all sit around and we'd have these conversations, and all of us, all these little nuggets of wisdom, all of these little good things that were in this conversation, they were isolated to that room. Whoever was a available at the time or not available at the time like these put togethers or these life growth moments or or experiential whatever you want to call it were lost and so I said no what I want to do is I want to make a podcast where we just have conversations like we would would in a basement anyway if you were over at my house and we were shooting pool tonight it wouldn't have looked any different than it did right now This is the conversation that we would have had. The difference is now it gets to go out and other people get to hear it. And if there's good stuff in it, great. If they think it's complete shit, great. Doesn't matter. But for the few that do get impacted by it, that's who we're after. The who gets to learn, who gets to grow, who gets that nugget of wisdom. You know, sometimes we're going to sit around here, we're going to talk about fucking ball sacks, right? We did. We had like fucking 30 minutes on ball sacks. Welcome to being in a room with veterans. Because that would have been the conversation we would have had in the basement. Is it not? Okay, so it's going to happen on air too. For sure. And then there will be the same thing, the same night that we're down here taking jokes and talking about strippers and every other fucking stupid story we've ever had. We're going to also be talking about God and purpose and driven and manifestation. Those are all things that are going to come out of our mouth. It's real. It's real. It's a real conversation. And it's not this superficial crap that we tend to do, go in day to day. Yeah, I hate superficial conversation. That's, that's why it's not edited. That's yeah. why we don't pull punches. That's it's why I, it's like, I want people to see me fall flat on my face. I want people to watch me succeed. I want people to see me work through it. I want to see people watch the co-host disagree and fight and get in arguments and work through it. You allow yourself to be vulnerable. You have to. Like, and I knew coming in here, I'm like, man, just go do it and be yourself and talk the way you talk and just, you know, and I, you know, thank you for putting me, like, this just, this environment just puts you at ease. And I, after a while, I caught caught myself and I'm like, I didn't even, I forgot that, I forgot that we were on a podcast. It was just you and I having a conversation. Um, But you allow yourself to be vulnerable, right? Like, and I, so I did the same thing coming in here and I'm like, you know what? If you fall flat on your face and you sound like a fucking idiot, so be it. You took a step, and uh, <laughs> I took you... a step, and I took a chance. But I took a chance on myself, right? right. Um, I challenged myself in something that I sure as shit was not comfortable in doing. Um, and I, you know, I we don't know how it's going to be received, but me personally, this was fucking awesome. Like I well, loved everything about it. It was great having you, man. Go um, ahead and uh, plug your organization real quick so people know where to yeah. find you. So, um, you know, our, our website is dogsforourbrave.org. Um, 
There's so much great information on our website. If you are a veteran and you feel that you might qualify for one of our dogs, and it's hard because we are very limited in our resources right now, but we're working very hard to expand because we know how many out there can benefit from a service dog, hopefully a social-emotional support dog. Um, There are so many vets out there that just they need something to give them a little bit of purpose and that these dogs it's unconditional love right Right. and it helps our vets learn how to love themselves because they know this animal this beautiful animal only asks for one thing in return love that's it it's so powerful so if you're a veteran and you think you might qualify or you just want to get involved and, and, and help other vets that information is on there on one of our drop-down menus um, with uh, the veteran support piece. Um, you can actually apply. The the initial introductory form is on there for you to apply online. Um, for volunteers, there's you know a, f- a form on the website that you go on to. Again, that's dogs, dogsforourbrave.org. Um, there's volunteer forms on there, and we love volunteers. Volunteers come down to the facility. Um, they help clean the facility, which is massively helpful. Although most people, what do they want to do? They want to play with the dogs, <laughs> which who doesn't, right? It's an amazing facility to work in. Uh, it's an amazing office environment because when I go in, I know if I'm if I start stressing out, and I I have a lot of I've already in just a month I've been there had some unbelievable, unbelievable conversations with some veterans that are really hard. Um, so I've already had the conversations. I know they're out there and they're struggling right um but the fact that i get to go back there and i can i can i can decompress with one of those dogs and they show me that unconditional love snaps me right back into okay i'm good i can get through this um so the volunteer piece is everything from coming in and helping clean right helping with our events right we have volunteers that are heavily involved and are going to get involved with a lot of our events and whatnot um but just know that even just coming in and helping clean the facility it takes that work away from our trainers who are doing the important work of training these dogs every single day the less they have to worry about that stuff the more they focus on training the dogs the more they're able to focus on training the dogs hopefully the dogs expedite through that process right and we can get them to our veterans pairing sooner that's so important so the volunteers we cannot and we have amazing volunteers already that come in and do great work for us so if you want to get involved, all that information is on there as well. You fill out a form. We get your information. Our, our volunteer coordinator, she reaches out to you and you schedule whatever else, you know, whatever you want to get involved in. Um, on top of that, there's great videos that tell our entire story. You have to check out the video that explains how we got started because it literally was a gift of love. Uh, real quick, you know, just to kind of sum it up, um, Andy... Um, our founder was looking for an anniversary gift of, I believe it was their 36th anniversary for his wife. And he had befriended, um, a Navy SEAL because they live in Southern California. And, uh, through conversations, he was like, Hey man, what do I, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Like, I want to, I want to do something special for my wife. What do I do? And he's like, I'm going to tell you what you do. You buy a dog, you have that dog trained, and then you go find a service service member that's been badly injured. And you present that dog to that service member on the night of your anniversary party. And that's exactly what he did. And people were so moved by it. His friends were so moved by it. They're like, we want to do that too. Andy and Marilyn were like, well, we found something here. Let's start an organization. So this, 
as much as we talked about positive energy and love, the organization started out of pure love for two individuals and a, and a husband wanting to show his wife how much he means to her. Um, and she means him. So, um, it's a, it's an incredibly powerful story. Um, and I, it, it drives our mission, um, even greater because of how it developed. Um, and we're very thankful, the whole staff, we're all so thankful and, and we're, and we're driven to continue that mission and grow it and make it even better and impact more veterans. Um, if you are a veteran that doesn't necessarily apply and, and, and will not fit, you know, the dogs that we, we supply to don't you know, fit. We have a lot of other resources. I'm here to guide veterans to find the help they need. It's not just, sorry, you don't qualify. Bam, we move on. My goal is to make sure that we're reaching out and helping as many of them as we can. So if you're a veteran out there and you need help, reach out. That's what we're here for. That's why I took this job. I, 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 I want to help. Um, the donor piece, we have a lot of great events. We have, um, we have a golf tournament um, every year. Um, we have a trivia night. Um, I'll probably forget some things because, again, I'm, an, I'm a month in. So, April, Bridget, I apologize. I'm trying. Um, but, uh, yeah, we have, you know, a great event. A Sip and Savers coming up. We have, we have a motorcycle that was specifically designed and built by a guy out in Philadelphia that's being auctioned off, and it's a Dogs for Our Brave motorcycle. I'm not a motorcycle guy. I've seen it, though. It is sick. That's <laughs> it awesome. It is sick. Um, so, you know, the events that we have that you can get involved in as well, um, there's ability to, you know, donate online. Um, I don't care what it, it's a dollar, $5, $50,000, whatever it is like, and it's, it, it's private donors, it's organizations, uh, you know, we, we just appreciate any funding that's available. Our goal, you know, we are in a capital capital campaign right now, um, to try and move into a bigger facility, build a bigger facility because, Right now we can only house 10 dogs and the, and the rule is it's like one dog goes out, one dog comes in. And the harsh reality of it is not all the dogs graduate from our program. As much, it doesn't mean they're bad dogs, they just don't fit the needs of what our service, our, our disabled service member need, you know, actually requires. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's hard. Um, no, is so there any type foster of funding, opportunities for those? So any dogs that, um, that, that, don't graduate the program yeah we adopt them out um we actually are in the process of adopting out three dogs right now and our dogs are amazing like even if you know if they don't so graduate if the anybody program, out there wants to get a very very well-trained yes. rescue animal go make sure that you check out dogs for our brave yeah all of our dogs are rescued so um our trainers are obviously just so incredibly driven by the mission of saving two lives at once, which that's our, you know, our hashtag phrase, saving two lives at once, which, which I think is amazing. Um, but uh, the information, you know, is all contained on our website. There's incredible videos. There's testimonials from our veterans that have dogs. And, man, if you don't get emotional watching those, you better check your pulse because um, the stories are un uh, some of our, uh, yeah, it's they are incredibly moving. And to see the power that these animals have, um to turn these veterans' lives around, but not only the veterans, but it's their families, right? If they have a wife and a kid and kids, whatnot, like it's, it's, I'm so blessed to be a part of it. Um, follow us on, you know, we're on Facebook, Dogs for Our Brave. We're on Instagram, Dogs for Our Brave. Get out there, follow us, follow our stories. Um, our trainers do a great job of posting videos. You get to see the dogs, you get to see the dogs in action, you get to see them training, you get to see the work that goes in behind the scenes. We have a lot of events, just small events that really make a difference, especially in the St. Louis community. You know, we're low, our facility's located in Dogtown. Um, yeah, everybody says that. And they're like, 
well, that's ironic. And I'm like, I have yet to ask if that was intentional or if it just happened that way. <laughs> either. Yeah, either. It's amazing. But, um, and we love the support in the community. We get great support down there. Um, Tab Avenue Bar does a uh, Queen of Hearts every Monday night for us. Um, there's just so many great, organ- you know, great restaurants, whatnot, businesses down there that do a great job of supporting us. So shout out to everybody down there in Dogtown and for all their support. Um, but yeah, give us a follow. See the story. See, see, see what we're doing because our team, I am so thankful for what they were doing for our vets. Even though there's, you know, they they want me to help them understand and relate. They know the mission. They are all in on taking care of these vets and making sure that our dogs are providing the needs that these individuals just absolutely have to have. Right, like they, just meeting those needs is so so important to our trainers. Um, I can't thank them enough for what they do. So, please get out there, check us out. Um, We'd love your support in any way, shape, or form, even if it's just getting on our, our, our social media pages and following us and seeing our story and sharing it with others. Have good conversation about it. Be, a, be, be an instrument of positive change, and if we can help do that, um, that's amazing. Man, well, that was beautiful and very, very, very well said. Um, I'll tell you what, next time you come on the podcast, we're definitely going to have to have you on again. We're, we're going to get into the volleyball and some of that other stuff because yeah. I, yeah, I think Team USA was something that I had read. So, yeah, yeah so that's worth mentioning. And then we, we got to get into some of the party stories because I know there's got to be some really good ones. <laughs> so thank you for being on the podcast, sir. If you're still listening out there, make sure that you go check out Dogs for Our Brave. Uh, it's a fantastic organization, and you can definitely see that there's a lot of heart, a lot of love, and a lot of emotion behind it. If you are still listening, make sure you click that subscribe button so that you can follow us and then click that notification bell so that you can be notified of future episodes. We try to drop an episode every week, uh, Saturday by midnight, but most of the episodes come out Friday at 420 because we want you to get high with us. And now it's time to thank our sponsors. A big thank you to Malevolent Art Studios out in Barnhart, Missouri. That is my man, Anthony Ferguson over there. If you guys are in the market for a new tattoo, you owe it to yourself to go to a very professional shop with quality tattoo artists that are going to sit down. They're going to work with you. They're going to listen to what you want for a design. They're going to make suggestions. They're going to come back. They're going to show you something that you're going to want to put in your body. And then you're going to get a quality long-lasting tattoo as a result of that. I've been tattooed by Anthony and so has several of the other hosts and uh, we do not regret it. In fact, my tattoos are so beautiful, they look like stickers on my skin. It uh, sometimes uh, jumps at me a little bit because they're so bright. So if you mention the Stoned Apes when you contact Malevolent Art Studios, they are going to give you $50 off any book section. You can find their information down in our description. Our other sponsor is Strategic Stitch. Strategic Stitch is the company that is handling our apparel line and i will tell you what guys we are putting the finding touches on that and it's some quality stuff most of the people that see it really enjoy it and so i've been very very impressed with the quality of strategic stitch and what they're doing for us uh, fulfilling our dropship service allowing us to be able to get into this without having a ton of money coming out you know because obviously yeah. we don't have any money coming in yeah. and uh you know this gives us the opportunity to be able to get merchandise to our to you guys so that you guys can support and 
and follow the show. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't be able to do that without them. So uh, Strategic Stitch, if you guys are looking for any print embroidery work, laser engraving, uh, look for their information down in the description. They're located up in Arnold, Missouri. Mention the Stoned Apes and you will get 10% off any service through them. So that is all we have for you guys on this episode. Remember, the goal is to stay positive. And for the Stoned Apes, we are out.